Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Welcome into Rounding the Bases, the podcast about culture and leadership with a baseball twist presented by Community America Credit Union. My name is Joel Goldberg. Got another great show and a topic that I'll delve into every now and then, certainly one that I'm very passionate about, and that is the world of journalism, which is always changing. I guess always has been, but we're certainly in a different place right now. And I'm going to come at it from a different angle, one that really can go in a lot of directions, because today on Rounding the Bases, we will hear the story of the man behind the stories. By harnessing the power of public media, Cliff Keel, president and CEO of Kansas City PBS, has realized his goal of keeping high-quality storytelling local. With an eye towards reinvigorating tradition, his leadership can be credited with bringing radio, social, and digital reading platforms into the mix. The result, local, innovative content that is more accessible than ever before, and a modernized PBS that is ready for the storytelling of today and for years to come. I think everybody that knows me, if you've listened to this podcast, or any of the other work, you know, the baseball stuff and uh, all all of that world involves storytelling. I think we're all storytellers to an extent as well. And the PBS, history of PBS, you know, that has been a part of that forever. But again, everything has changed. It will continue to change. And so I'm excited right now to bring in to the podcast, Cliff Keel. Cliff, how are you? Great, Joel. Thanks Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you and and I should let everybody know if you're listening and not watching it's cliff with a k and keel with a k so it's it's uh, it's the double k there and a man uh, of of texas roots that has settled into the kansas city area for quite some time now and i i think your journey's an interesting one and i want to go there in a moment but i just want to get just to start the state of the world of journalism of storytelling of we we are so inundated with this side versus that side, that I think it's very easy to lose the essence of what this was all about and the importance of storytelling in a world where the medium is constantly changing too. So where are we at right now? That's a, that's a big question, Joel. Um, You know, I, I, you know, one, one part of that I think is um, all the unintended consequences of things like Craigslist, right? That all of a sudden, all the classified ads went away. And so you kind of got a big newspaper revenue stream. Um, You know, I think if you look at at the world of video content for us, 
Uh, we all have these. I mean, how many years ago did we not have the choice of Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and on and on and on? And so for us, we think a lot about that. How do we create local value uh, and, and do local reporting? Because I think that is one of the biggest uh, losses that we see, right, is there, there just aren't as many local journalists and there aren't as many local stories being told. You know, who's keeping an eye on city government, county government, who's telling you what's going on with new restaurants or art openings or all those things that it takes to kind of have a nice life in a city. We try to backfill against that, but, you know, we, we can't be the newspaper. We're not going to, you know, we can't fill all of that. So we try to pick our spots and our moments to really lean into things. And it's, yeah, it's uh, a lot of our philosophy comes from how do we react to all the over-the-top delivery of content? And if you think about, I've got a watch on, but I don't really need it. I don't need a camera. You know, I don't need, you know, there's just so many things you don't need because of, because of our, magic, our magic phone devices, right? So anyway, we think a lot about that and how to uh, figure out where our place in the world is. So we don't want to be those things that are challenged or struggling we want to find a niche in there that can can uniquely serve you, can add value to your life where you want it. And uh, that's not really the time, the weather. You know, there's certain things you just don't need from us. Yeah, I, I think that's fascinating, too, because as you were saying that, I was thinking about even my role from a TV side. And, and, and I think you'll get this, too, that we all can sometimes be be sucked in by the excitement of something bigger or where I'm going with this is something national. So think about in terms of say the, the Kansas city Royals, that if they don't get a lot of national exposure, fans are going to complain about that. Oh, you know, East coast bias, blah, 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 which makes sense. Right. I mean, you know, poor little us, we're not getting that. Then maybe they get a nationally televised game on ESPN or the Fox game of the week. And there aren't very many of them because we're not the New York Yankees. And what do I hear from all the fans? These announcers suck. Why, why don't we have you guys? These guys don't care about the Royals. These guys ignore the Royals. And so my point is, is that there is a lane to do this right. And, and there's always going to be that allure of looking bigger or looking elsewhere and looking for the glitz. And so I'm wondering if that's the same with you too. That doesn't mean you can do things the way you've always done them. But in the end, if you do them right and you, you do it right by the people in your community, that should always play, shouldn't it? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it does. I think for us, you know, the way we think of that is um, we on occasion are asked to help try to do a national production. Somebody wants to make a new show or a series or something or another market will say, hey, could, could you all present our show and help us produce this, this barbecue show that we do nationally or something? And so, you know, we look at those, but we always kind of come back to any national airings of our content we look at as kind of just a an added value or kind of gravy, right? It's like, but our, our really the start for us is certainly uh, one foot in the old world, one foot in the new world. We want to deliver you all that great national content that PBS viewers want. So they want the news hour and antiques roadshow and frontline, and they want the children's programs and all that. And then we find that spot in there for us to say, okay, now then with our makers that live in our building, how much content can we squeeze out to people about 
you know, in, uh, in terms of investigative journalism, arts and culture, health and health equity, uh, education, education innovation, the development of our city, all those things that might be going undone and audiences that might be underserved. And that's really kind of where it begins and ends. And then we'll have one of our producers, Brad Austin, create a great documentary he did uh, on uh, Charlie Bird Parker uh, or on the ballet. And then it's wonderful that it also ends up running in maybe 60 or 70 markets around the U.S., but that's not what we were going for. Uh, you know, we're going for tell that great story to Kansas Cityans couple of million people that we can serve. And we serve about a million point three people a month through our different services. So that's really who we're trying to serve first. So we try not to get stars in our eyes and get distracted to say, oh, we've got to go impress somebody on the coasts or make national shows. At the end of the day, we live and die by our individual members. And we have about 32, 33,000 households that, that choose to support us in our odd business model, which is let's give away 40,000 hours of content a year and then see if people will write a check because they liked some of it. And so, you know, that's four TV channels and one radio station running all the time. And so we, we insert into that stream all the local we can get and all the local we can do. And I think what I've learned is I don't hopefully, you know, Joel have to give you 97 things that you liked this year from us. What I hope I do uh, and our team does is give you six or eight things where you're like, oh, my gosh, you did a great story on a nonprofit I care about. You helped me find my favorite new restaurant. I went out to this art opening. You uh, you dug into this story on the hidden pandemic of mental health in the metro and the challenges people are having during COVID. So that's kind of our hope is that you find that. And oh, by the way, you might be watching uh, the News Hour and Masterpiece Theater as well, which we hope you are. But we're trying to build this other line of business where there's a lot more local. And that wasn't always the case for public television. Historically, we rode pretty hard on the back of our national programming. And we like to say we were local and we might not be doing that much local. It's very expensive because there are no economies of scale to create local content, as you, as you would understand. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been something little by little we keep ramping up as we as we grow our membership and our major donors we turn around and put those investments in. For me, there's a there's a not an exact metric, but kind of a rough estimate. How many makers can we have in our building as a percentage of staff? You know, people like me that fundraise and admin and send emails. That's great. Right. But but it's not really helping improve your life as a Kansas City. And so our goal is to make sure there are, are more makers than there are administrators and network people and all that, if that makes sense. No, it does. And, and it, it still then goes back to, you know, the, the original piece of the question about the importance of local. And I think that's where this world has become so interesting. You touched on it before too, with all of the different mediums that we have. And, you know, you can go to, you can go to Netflix, you can go to, shoot every network at this point you, you know you might want to go watch something cool on nbc and find out that wait i can't find it where is it oh i have to get the peacock on and on and on and on right so so everybody has all of these choices and i think that's what we're all navigating at this point you know why can't i see this here how can i get that there and so in your case and i'm curious just I, i've seen so many people go from 
okay, we have to do video now. And I'm not singling out just the newspaper business, but I'm a single out me. You know, there's a stretch where it's like, well, you can't just be on TV. You have to be a blogger and you have to be able to write. You can't just be a writer. You have to be able to 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 get in front of a FaceTime live. You can't you can't or Facebook live, whatever it's called. You can't just be a, a, a beat writer. You also have to be a blogger and the lines start to blur and columnists are this and, and on and on. So how have you navigated that? Because I think we all know that that digital is where it's at. Video is where it's at. But with that comes a lot of people and entities not doing it well and doing it just because they have to do it. But yet there's always been such a high standard, I think, for everything that PBS does. So how have you grown with that, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I think, you know, we in the last you know, six or seven years, we added a AAA music radio station. We added a, a digital magazine, Flatland KC, and we learned a lot doing that, I think, you know, and, and to your question for us, I think it is trying to remind ourselves to think backwards from the customer, you know, make something people want, make it, make a quality product. And then I think also for us, be honest about what business we're in. So I think on at times we get to think, oh, well, we're going to start kind of doing daily news or we're going to kind of do breaking news. That's not what we're good at. What we're really good at is a 30 minute hour long documentary. Uh, we've learned to launch that maybe in modules on our mm-hmm. social media on Flatland, you know, week over week for a month. And then that cover that that show goes on the cover of the program guide and then it runs on the air 10 or 12 times in a given month. So really trying to, you know, make sure we're reaching if you want to watch it on your phone, that's great. But also I think about my mom down in Texas, you know, my mom doesn't want to have to get Peacock and all these other services. And so for people that want to tune in and just get our broadcast signal and watch Masterpiece Theater when it's on or watch Nick Haynes when he's on or or we just started a new show, Flatland. It's a TV show and once a month kind of topic driven. Um, you know, we want to do those and put them online and do all those other things, but also make sure we're not leaving anybody behind. Uh, you know, and but, I mean, again, back to your question, you know, I think it is for us making sure we're staying focused on what we do well mm-hmm. and also what we figure out um, works well for our for our audience, for our customers. All right, I want to backtrack a little bit to the to the the boy and then the man that was was in Texas and I think like a lot of people that end up in Kansas City or anywhere else that that end up being transplants and then not leaving and you've been here since I think 2009 uh, and and I know really fallen in love with the city but that's not something you could have ever imagined growing up in the Waco area and then going to the University of Texas what were the early goals for you I was, uh, you know, I, when I went to college, I was, I was undecided. And then somewhere in there, I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker. And uh, I had a bit of a career doing that. And, um, you know, I think we, we talked a little bit about sort of a swing and a miss in our careers. right? And so for me, I think it was, uh, you know, trying to stay at the plate for too long, trying to be a filmmaker. And I think as a, as a filmmaker, I'm a pretty darn good CEO and fundraiser, right? So uh, I kind of figured out, like, I think I can do more if I make this less about my ego and making a Cliff Keel film and instead being behind the scenes, fundraising, hopefully having some kind of a vision for making our services better for this community and really leaning into that. And so, but yeah, I spent about 10 years 
trying to be a filmmaker, made a made an independent film, uh, you know, years and years and years ago. Uh, it seems like 100 years ago now. But it was a lot of fun and a lot of learning. And uh, it really helped me, I think, a lot as I moved into what I do now, because it made me so grateful for people that helped me in my career, for donors that invest in an organization when they don't have to, uh, you know, health benefits, things like that. You know, it's all, after being an independent, you know, contractor for 10 years, I'm like, wow, I, I get to go to this convention and my company's going to pay for it. And I, and lunch is on the company. And I, you know, it's like, it's just, and I got a free t-shirt, you know, it's like right. after paying all those things on my own as an independent contractor, I really appreciated the structure of that, if that makes sense. It completely makes sense. And, and it's a, it's a world that, that any independent contractor in whatever field they're in, can understand. You just you just can't ever take those things for granted, you know. And so so you you end up going this route. And then I know that there were were stints in and I think Baylor, Reno, and then eventually Kansas City. Tell me about that that path and and how you ended up in in this gig that has been one that you've I know really loved for a long time. Yeah, I, I uh, you know I got out of school and I raised some money and I made a made a. Uh, wrote a screenplay and made a little promotional trailer. And then we rent, went and raised $250,000 and made this little movie uh, in Austin. All this was in Austin, Texas, after I graduated there from UT. And then uh, naively, uh, mistakenly moved to Los Angeles and uh, came back from there with my tail between my legs after I didn't quite, you know, couldn't quite make it to that next level. You know, I felt like, a, 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 you know, I, I've had uh minor league baseball player that was from my hometown tell me one time about, you know, how, how when he went to the majors, every pitcher he faced was the best pitcher he faced in college, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's a little bit what I felt like, wow, I kind of figured this out in Austin and got this little movie made and then went to Hollywood and I was just in way over my head. And my wife did much better than I did out there. She worked for CNN for a number of years and all that, but ended up uh, kind of going through some, uh, some different career options, thoughts, et cetera, but landed uh, on the Baylor University campus in Waco, Texas, and uh, was going to, for one year, be a, a production guy at, at their public television station there. And that ended up being 10 years altogether and was able to take on, you know, sort of production manager, or whatever, to operations manager, and then to interim CEO, and then to, or interim general manager to general manager. So about five years there, and then to Reno, Nevada for about five years as president and CEO there. And, uh, and then came to Kansas City after that. And so, um, and didn't know really much about Kansas City and, you know, got here and started learning and, and we fell in love with it and have, have again, I think the thing that's really been exciting for me personally is the city is, is wonderful and, and, and keeps getting better. And like any city has its challenges and we try to help with that as an organization. But I think the, the fun for me of buying this radio station and adding a really strong social media component to what we do and adding uh, the digital media, the digital first component. It's kept it really challenging and really interesting for me. I always think of, we had this sort of mothership of television, which is pretty established. And then we added these two startups, which were pretty crazy because they were very much like, wait, that's not working. Okay, let's try this. Oh, wait, that's not working. So that, you know, now we kind of know what those are supposed to be, but they're still growing up in public, right? They're still kind of getting there, but they're very fortunate that they have, at least for the time being, this very strong sort of backbone of, of public television. 
Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. And, and we'll let everybody know, too, that that the radio station, you can find out more at bridge909.org, www.bridge909.org. And then uh, on the digital side, flatlandkc.org. There's so much great content on, on both of those. And so that my question to you was, was and you just talked about the backbone of having PBS and having that. It's hard to, to go the startup route. Uh, I mean, the success stories are not easy when you, and, and I can relate to that in a different way, but only in the sense that I started a speaking career and then this podcast, but you know, by the way, had that TV thing to fall back to every single night. Well, until the pandemic, but that's a different story. But you know, I mean, I, that was my bread and butter. And it, it it's so much easier, whether, whether it's a solopreneur, uh, whether it's an entrepreneur, whoever it is, whether it's an entity like you have, to be able to take some of those chances and leverage those resources. So how much did that help you in building those other platforms? You know, it, Joel, it helped a lot because I think, because I, I always think of this with, with what we did with radio, what we did with Flatland is, you know, for one of those entities to go start up out in a strip mall somewhere and have to do everything on their own. Whereas when they came into our building we had marketing and social media and engineering and fundraisers and all these people to help them. So that was a huge help. So they came over when we bought the bridge radio station and moved it into our building. You know, there are four or five or six people there on staff. And then all of a sudden they get, I don't know if it was at the time, 45 people, probably, you know, not all of them, but many, many of those people to help them. And then the same thing was true, was true of Flatland. Um, you know, they also came into the building and they've got, they might be writers, but they've got videographers that they can work with. And they've, and they've got Nick Haynes they can work with. Right. And so uh, Chris Lester is the managing editor now of Flatland for us. And what's great to see is our building, they all try to find ways to collaborate. So initially you had these startups kind of dropped into the building and we had to kind of ingest them and figure out how to get along and how to help each other get better and now what we see, which is what's wonderful, is there'll be a big national PBS series or there'll be something going on. Vietnam is a good example. The Ken Burns Vietnam doc, right? That comes down the pipe and we end up with our radio station. They do uh, songs of Vietnam for a whole day uh, stunt and they interview veterans and have them uh, ex-DJs from Vietnam came on and they told stories. And so you've got that as, frankly, as a promotional thing, but also really good music and storytelling. And then Flatland can go out and do interviews with veterans and do some stories around veterans and, and, and folks that connected to Vietnam. And then you've got the national documentary. So in the old days, we might have only promoted that show and run that documentary. And now, you know, for weeks and months in advance, we can do all these other interesting things, which makes it, I think, in the world of clutter that we have today in media, yeah. that at least helps us get your attention a little bit, right? Where if you're driving in your car that day and you're here like, whatever, what's all this Vietnam era music on today? And why they, and then we'll plug the Ken Burns doc. And so, you know, we're trying to help ourselves, right? So so that's what's been fun to see is as we've integrated these new units, new startups in the building, not only are there financial advantages, there's also all that sort of cross-pollination and cross-promotion uh, help that we get as well. Shoot, Ken Burns could keep you busy on a regular basis with the way he keeps cranking out docs, I guess always has, and, and the latest Muhammad Ali, that's a different story. But I want to ask you about a, 
two more things re- regarding the business. One, going back to your filmmaking days too, and, and I know that that you're humble about that, and you you moved on, and you can call that a swing and a miss. But I I also was wondering a little bit about what you learned from that in terms of of leadership, in terms of teamwork, because you don't make a film without a massive team around you. I don't care if it's a big film or a small film, put put aside budgets from something Hollywood versus a, a small docker or whatever it might be. But I just wonder about the similarities of pulling something like that off and pulling something like this off, which only, which isn't often in the big spotlight. I was so young and uh, I'm going to say not smart when I did that, um, you know, because I remember moving to Hollywood and people were just like, how did you, what did you do? How did you do that? Does your family have money? I mean, what they were like looking for that secret of like who paid for that sort of thing. Right. So, so I think it was just sort of, you know, not knowing any better. Right. And then having really good friends around and then we all worked on it and, and sort of pitched in and did it. But um, the Cohen brothers had made, you know, had made uh, blood simple, you know, and that was the first film they made. And so I kind of looked at as a model and there was a book about, independent filmmaking. And it said to do just what I did. I used it as kind of a guide of like, Oh, well, I will get a screenplay done and create a budget. So, but, so I planned it, you know, and I think the similarities though, there, um, because I didn't know enough what I was doing. Right. And so I think the similarity though, is trying to have a vision and trying to, you know, that ability to try to sell folks on an idea. So, you know, trying to sell our board and our donors to say, hey, we're going to buy a AAA music radio station. And people are like, what is that? You know, and so so I think that the vision part of it is probably the same a bit of like, OK, I'm going to try to lead us over this hill. Will anybody want to go with me? I would say, you know, the dissimilarities are probably what we do now is more deliberate and more studied and more thought out and all that. And, you know, frankly, that that probably works out better in the end doing it that way. Well, and and you have uh, certainly better better backing, not to mention wisdom, experience, all the things that you know most of us in those early years of for me television, you filmmaking didn't have right, and 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 so that in many ways helps get get you to where you are today, or certainly part of your story and your journey. The 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 one other, I guess, similarity or at least requirement you touched on it before is that fundraising aspect and obviously you had to be able to do that then to some extent. Now you have, you, you have to do it. You, that is a major part of what you do every day. And I know when you and I talked and, and we were introduced uh, by a great guy here in town, Chris Underwood, and, and you and I went to lunch and, and, you know, you, you talked quite a bit about being fortunate enough to have a team around you to do a lot of that, where you don't have to, to, to be the, the pitch man every time yet you are always going to be the pitch man because, because you're going to be in those discussions and, and you're going to be cultivating those relationships. And I say this on almost every one of these podcasts. It's always about people. It's always about relationships. It's true in the sports business. It's true in the journalism business. It's true in fundraising, on and on and on. I'm a terrible fundraiser, by the way. I don't I don't like it. I don't enjoy doing it. But I do know that it still comes down to people and relationships. So how important is that for you every single day? And And how, again, are you able to leverage some of the connections that you have even nationally with the access that you have to some of what PBS does. Yeah, that, you know, I'm very fortunate because we do have a good team. I I have a role to play there. And certainly with our, some of our largest donors, with our board, with, with national organizations, you know, there's this figurehead role I play or this connector role. And so I, I enjoy that. 
Uh, I'm fortunate Ted Place is our chief development officer, does a great job. And so Ted and I work as a team and we kind of ride out together and meet with people and and get prepped and, and go talk to folks. And and it's always uh, I think that part of it I, I learned, you know, for me, it's it's uh, and I, I love to talk. But it is in those cases to me that our members, our donors, our audience, they are they're the center of attention. We need to look at what do they like? What are they interested in? What do they care about? What do they want to have a conversation about? What are they worried about? We see a lot of that. Your original question about journalism, you know, the people tell us, hey, I'm really worried. You all need to step it up and I'll invest in it. You know, so we really try to listen and find out what are those two or three or four things that somebody cares a lot about. And that's really where we base our relationship. We make notes on that. You know, we'll send them a book. We'll get them tickets to something, whatever. We'll do those kind of thank you things. But a lot of it is just meeting with them and saying, okay, you know, Joel, what is it you're worried about in Kansas City? What is it that we could do to help make this city better? Or where do we need people need a common language, common vision for the city? Is it around health equity? Is it around, you know, race? Is it is it around housing? You know, what is it? So we really try to listen to that. Now, the trick of that is I'm a fundraiser and an administrator. So, as you know, there's a bright line editorial there. So I can take those suggestions and then as a golden retriever, I kind of go lay those at the feet of our journalists. And now they then decide whether they want to pick them up or not. And because we've been accused of that before, like, oh, well, you just have wealthy people telling you what to make. And that's not true. We have to have, I mean, Frank, you know, most of our revenue comes from our individual members giving us 60 bucks or 100 bucks, right? And so very, very appreciated. But, you know, they're not telling us what stories to make. They're like, oh, I love the news hour. Here's my donation. So, we do raise larger chunks of money, but all of those are uh, given in a way where we say, look, we appreciate your suggestions or we understand what you're worried about or you want to, you know, we will pass that along. And then sometimes we tell stories that are related to those. But most often it's just our producers. They're telling great stories and we'll go tell our donors, hey, I hope you saw this documentary on Charlie Bird Parker. I hope you saw the hidden pandemic piece. I hope you read the story on Flatland. It's our job to kind of call it out and shine a light on it. And then, and then as we're, if we're smart, direct the things to those audiences, you know, kind of super serve them around things they care about. And I'm curious too, and, and ironically on the website, flatlandkc.org, it, it's, it, it asks, join our family, or at least gives the option, join our family of curious Kansas Cityans. And I, I think that that's such an important part of where you guys come in back to the original discussion uh, about you know playing that local role and and giving people access to things they might not get elsewhere, is there a a common theme or a, you know when 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 you're asking for these donations, is it usually I just don't want local journalism to go away or is it hey I love that piece you did on mental health or I love this musician. Uh, or, or is it just a, an affection for the history of PBS? Like what's, what's the general, or is it across the board, the, the reasoning of why people say they want to be involved? You know, it could be any of those. And it's also sometimes a combination of those, you know, I'm an oddball a little bit because I love, I love Flatland. I love music. So I like the bridge a lot and I like public television. Right. So, but we don't, we, I mean, we're fortunate. We don't have to have you like all of those. Right. So mm -hmm. you could be, a supporter or come in the tent with us for one of those services. Our hope is that, oh, maybe you like the bridge and Flatland and your kids watch the kids channel, right? I mean, so, so you know, 
it's our job to get those other services in front of you and make sure you're aware of them. And then you pick what you want in that. And again, to your question, we have people that they love Masterpiece Theater and the News Hour, and they're not as interested in the local stuff, right? And then they, and they, don't, they don't like the bridge. Or we'll see people where they're like, you know what, I'm really glad the bridge is here because my kids and grandkids love it. And I'm glad that we have that amenity because that's helped keep that helps keep them in the city. You know, so so I think we see a wide range of those things. And I think our job is always to say, look, if you like this thing, let us show you these other things that we have in the portfolio uh, and keep learning about what you like uh, and, and try to be responsive to that. Again, within reason. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is there. You know, we are. You know, there are some people that just there's nothing that we have that they like, but it's rare, right? I mean, because it's like, well, do you have children? Well, they got the kids' channel. Do you like music? Okay. Do you like food, arts, and culture? You know, there's always, almost yeah. always something for everybody. But, yeah. uh, and that's where we, it's our job to kind of make sure we connect with those people. And I think our station has done a really good job of that in the last five or 10 years. That was a big, big uh, learning for me at my other stations is really take care of those people, invite them to go do things with you, have shared experiences, get to know them, you know, capture information about them. Uh, and, you know, that's harder to do with a million people using your service every month. But where we can, we really try to target them with an email blast or get them to follow the the Twitter feed of the thing they like the most. So, you know, and I think over time, we'll get better at that. We need to do the show me, you know me better and I, and I think we'll get there, but it, it, it take, it's going to take us a while. Well, again, I mean, it's it's a lesson in diversification for sure with, with, with everything you're able to do. And again, getting back to relationships. I'll get to my baseball theme questions. I think we've already answered one of them, but but I'll go to the first one. Biggest home run that you have hit in your career. You know, I wish I could just give a short answer to that. But I, I mean, the best way to say it, I think, for me is 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 landing in Kansas City and then all the, the 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 blessings of all the opportunities I've had here. And I think trying to have my eyes open and being, you know, ready and, and agile when we had the offer of, oh, well, you could maybe buy this radio station, you know. And like we really dug into that and we figured out, is that a good thing? Let's go do it. And then we had a donor ask us, hey, um, what would you could what would you do if you could try to just do anything? You know, and that would lead to Flatland. We had a donor give us a very large gift to start that. But we kind of had the rough draft of that in our back pocket, and we quickly fleshed that out and then took that to that donor and said, you know, what would it look like if you funded something like this? And we said at the time, this might be end up being more documentaries. It might end up being short form stories. We don't know right now. And we and but but go with us on this journey and we'll figure it out. And so, you know, that my opportunity, I think, here that in terms of a home run to be able to add the bridge, to be able to add Flatland, to be able to add three other television channels, uh, you know, on our digital platform, and then to try to get all these things to work together. And we're not there yet. And so there's work to do. But that's been very, very gratifying in terms of, you know, we were uh, of a certain size organization and we, we've been able to kind of grow, uh, you know, not just for the sake of growth, but we dropped down to 40 people and now we have, you know, almost 60. And so, in a world of shrinking journalism, we feel yeah. I'm very excited that it, pretty lean and mean, we've added a lot more service to the community and gotten a little bigger. But I, I, I'm really proud of, I think, um, you know, getting the opportunity to try to help make these things work. And it's been, I tell you, it's uh, 
I don't really want to add any new startups for a little while, right? It's like, <laughs> the, the startup thing is crazy because, you know, I have an idea about what maybe it should be. And then the person that founded that thing or brought it into the building, they have a strong idea too. So it takes a little while to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. You got enough on your plate right now, but I'm, I'm just excited for, for all those home runs because we can't, we, we cannot lose local journalism. I, I, and I, I think people that get that, get it. People that don't, hopefully we can educate them on that because once it's gone, it's tough to get back. And it's just such a fabric of, of who we are as, as not just a community, but as a country, in, in my opinion, did, did we cover the swing and miss or, or, or is there anywhere else you wanted to go? Uh, you know, the swing and miss, I think again, for me was, uh, was being slow, slow to figure out that, um, you know, the, focusing a bit too much on my own ego and trying to make my movie and all that. I kind of quite, kind of finally figured out. And it was, I was really lucky when I went onto the Baylor campus and got that job. I mean, I kind of somewhere in there, I waked up and like, Oh, wait a minute. This, I, this doesn't have to be this hard. I could actually make a living and do some good. If I just show up every day and try to make good stuff for this, for the Waco community, good content and help, help the station. And so it, it, you know, it's weird. I, so I, it is a little bit of a late bloomer in terms of figuring that out. Maybe everybody figures that out a lot sooner than I did, but I think for me, I've got an ego, but once I figured out more, I can be of service. And if I create value in people's lives and I tell my kids that find an organization where you can create value every day and you'll probably get paid, you'll probably be okay. But if you go into something not looking for the need to be filled, which is what I was doing initially in my career, but like, oh, this is this thing I want to make that's a very expensive prototype to make a film. If it doesn't go well or people, you know, it's just really hard. I mean, it's setting a very tough bar. So, again, that was my swing and miss was was trying to stay in that game for too long. All right. And the last baseball theme question, small ball. What are the little things that add up to the big results for you? Uh, we just did a talent assessment yesterday. Very interesting. A consultant uh, in and it, I think it is focusing on those. We all talked about, you know, fundamentals and blocking and tackling or, or if you could, if, if every player can bunt, right. Right. Uh, as a university of Texas guy, they, they've played some good small ball over the years. Um, I, you know, I think for us, it is those fundamental things, uh, you know, are your team members, do they really want to be on our team? Do they understand the vision of what we're trying to do? Are they good at what they do? Uh, are we giving them the tools they need to succeed? Are we helping train them? And so, um, we can listen to the community all day long, but if we don't have the resources or the team we need, we're, we're not going to do well. And so, uh, and I think part of that is being honest, uh, this assessment we did yesterday, it's, it takes kind of takes something out of you, right? Because it's, you have to kind of be honest about where we are, where I am in my career, where my team leaders are in their careers and plan for things that sometimes people don't want to talk about succession planning and growing new leaders, all those things. So I think, we're doing, I hope, a better and better job of, like, okay, how do we take this organization to the next level? It's by really focusing on some of those things that make people uncomfortable sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, because trying to get sustaining members, trying to get major donors, trying to have a lot of individual members, trying to, you know, we've tried it, we're pretty good at a lot of those things. So I think now it's like, okay, where are these gaps? And so I think the small ball for me is, striving for excellence all the time and trying to be honest about, okay, where are those gaps and those challenges and can our team be honest and actually take them on? 
It's good stuff. Four final questions as we wrap up. It's what I call rounding the bases. And the first one I want to ask you is about that that film that you made and uh, I guess an early brush with a future Academy Award winner in John Hawks. Tell me about that. Yeah, John. Um, <clears throat> now he may have won an award. He was not. I know he's nominated for winners. Oh, nominated, right? I should shot. say. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't win. He was nominated. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tweeted at the time uh, that he was nominated. I said, you know, work with me, and then do twenty five years of good work, and good things will happen to you after that, right? So, so yeah. My staff was like, wait, how long have I been working with you? Um, but yeah, John was great, and that was my. He was the star of my little movie called Murder Rap. We shot in Austin, and uh, because of John and his all his success, he's had it's still. You know, if you go online and try to order, it's still kind of at the bottom of the list of of his movies. And so the movie's not so great, but John John was good in it. He's good in everything. Yeah, he's had quite the career, no doubt. And and actually, I'm I'm looking at his filmography. Actually, I'm just on his Wikipedia page, so it might not even be that real. But but he had looks like four four movies that he was in before he was in Murder Rap back in 1988. So who knows? Maybe he looks back at Cliff Keel and says, this is where it all started. Or maybe, uh, yeah, I, don't know. I don't know if he does that or not, but I, I like to think I was a little bit, of, he moved to Hollywood kind of a little bit after we did our movie. And, and, you know, it's just, it's fun to watch him because he'll pop on up on something and he's always amazing. He does a great job. Yeah. Still at it to this day. And uh, well, we could list all the different things that he was in. I like three billboards outside uh, Ebbing, Missouri was, Actually, one of my favorites in, in recent years. Okay, so uh, second question, your musical background. And and are you still playing? You're a drummer? I am a drummer. I'm a, I'm a lapsed drummer, I guess. I, uh, I am lucky uh, that we were joking the other day doing Radio Pledge Drive. There's a picture of me as a, as a young drummer in Austin uh, playing one night uh, in our studio, in the, in the radio studio in our building. And I'm, I'm very kind of proud of that. And nobody can really recognize that it's me anymore. But um, now, now I don't really drum anymore. I need to, we've got room in our house. I should put a drum set in here somewhere, but uh, I am, I got a little bit of the musician at heart. I mean, as much as a drummer can have. Right. Um, right. But, um, but I love music and yeah, that was a big part for me of kind of college days and all that for sure. And uh, um yeah, no, it was it was one of the reasons I went to school in Austin because of the music the music scene at the time. All right, third question. This will be a fun one, but you just touched on it briefly, and and I'll just because my mind goes there, and I, I did hear the pledge drive uh, as we're recording this right now. I, I heard it last week uh, when I was driving around in my my car, and I uh, whenever I hear those, I can't help but think of the SNL sketch. And and the and I can't believe I guess I could say it. I mean, it was on NBC that the good old sweaty balls with with Alec Baldwin. I mean, it's a classic, but I can't. It ruined everything because anytime I hear one of those now, that's all I can think about. I, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing. I'm just curious your thoughts. It's an odd question. I know. I you know I like the guy. I've got a really good sense of humor, so I find those very funny, right? I find them <laughs> uh, you know, and and I've seen also you know there's been that's a parody of sort of public radio fundraising, and then there's yeah. some really pretty good you know, uh, TV uh, fundraising parodies yeah. as well. I love those. I love those. Cause I mean, it is kind of an odd thing that we do. And, you know, I know oftentimes people are like, Oh my gosh, they're on a pledge drive. The perception unfortunately is that we're on a lot doing that. The good news is with our much. schedule and all it's like less than 1% of our schedule that we're on. And I think again, uh, getting a plug in, I always like to remind folks, you know, what you get for that is when we run an hour long show 
it's almost 57 minutes long with no interruptions, right? Or a half hour is almost 27 minutes long. But no, so that's kind of the trade-off. A few times a year, we're going to come and interrupt your programming, and, uh, uh, and but we don't do it as as, as funnily, certainly as uh, Alec Baldwin does. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty hilarious. I've I've enjoyed watching those a number of times. Yeah, those are classic. Most most of the stuff that they do is so that's just that's where my mind goes and yeah i've seen some of those other parodies as well uh, we got to keep it a little bit lighthearted. final question and we've talked a lot about your local programming and then the backbone of national i'm just curious i mean i think we all any of us that have watched public television pbs over the years have some of our our favorites do you have a favorite franchise i mean for me like anytime even to this day that austin city limits comes on uh i mean I, I, no guarantee that i'm gonna like the band but there's a good chance I want to watch something like that. Anything Ken Burns does to me uh, is is a must see. The baseball, uh, the baseball one is is of course uh, understandably one that I love, but they're all good. Do you have a favorite franchise or favorite favorite PBS national backbone that you love? That's a great question. I apologize if you're hearing my dogs in the background that, there. Um, that's that's normal in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So I'm trying to mute there for a second. Um, you know, uh, Rick Steves, I like a lot. I mean, certainly even in the pandemic, I love that vicarious travel that I can kind of sit on my couch and then dream of, of traveling again someday. Um, you know, I, uh, Austin City Limits, I like because I'm, I am a music fan. Um, you know, the front line, I think, is, is really is just such a well done, well done program as well. You know, I, I could probably go on and on and on. But, yeah, the travel, you know, certainly the travel stuff, the the, the cooking stuff, some of that. I'm not gr- a great chef, but those are very relaxing for me, right? Watching some of those, somebody, either a how-to or whatever. And um, But, yeah, I'd say, you know, the Rick Steves, the gardening, some of the gardening things. I, I'm a would-be gardener, I think, as well, uh, uh, maybe one of these days. But, and, uh, yeah, there's – that's – that's what I think I like about our, our organization is you can kind of just choose the couple of things you want. I think the average PBS viewer watches like 90 minutes a week. And so it might be Masterpiece Theater or great performances, or it might be Rick Steves and or Britcoms. They kind of pick what they want. And that's that's fine with us. And I'm kind of the same way. I'll, I'll, I have those three or four things that I kind of plug back into. But um, and oftentimes it is 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 for a little bit of a wind down. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, it's all great stuff. And just want to let everybody know that you can go to KansasCityPBS.org. If you're here in Kansas City, if you're elsewhere, you, you know, check out your local PBS and then the radio station, Bridge909.org. You can certainly find that in your car or wherever you listen or however you listen to music and radio nowadays. A lot of options for that. And then FlatlandKC.org, a lot of amazing storytelling and journalism i'm fascinated by it all cliff uh, not just the importance of it but the the pivot and the evolution of this industry it won't stop it never does if it does then you know we, we need to find something else i suppose and and hopefully that is not an option so i really appreciate you spending time today on rounding the bases and and filling us in on a, a very important and unique world great work congratulations on the the startups and the expansion and continued success i appreciate it cliff Thank you, Joe. Really proud of our team. And I'm really kind of you to take the time to, to visit with me. Thank you. For more information about Rounding the Bases, as well as my speaking services, you can visit our website at joelgoldbergmedia.com. 
You can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Links to all are in the show notes. To watch this episode or others, subscribe to our YouTube page. It's free and can be found on YouTube by searching Joel Goldberg Media, or there's a bit.ly link to all the episodes in the show notes. Colleen Lotz is the producer and editor of RTB. Danielle Welsh, owner of Bridge Consulting and Design, handles all of my marketing with the assistance of Andrew Drake. The catchy theme song comes from entertainer A.Y. Young. My name is Joel Goldberg. Thanks for checking us out and hope to catch you next time on Rounding the Bases, presented by Community America Credit Union. Download our app in iTunes and the Google Play Store. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. Let's talk about supplements for just a minute. The market of supplements is overcrowded, right? It's oversaturated. There's too many to choose from. You just don't know which one you want. You don't know which one's effective, what has potential harmful side effects. Well, I have one that I can tell you with confidence is not only not going to give you any of those negative side effects, but also will provide you with the energy that's sustainable. It doesn't have those crashes. And the product I'm talking about is called Energy Boost. It's from a company called Vitali Boost, and they sell a bunch of other great products. But you can check out the website at vitaliboost.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. So what makes Energy Boost so great? Well, it's made from natural, clinically researched ingredients that include caffeine, B vitamins, and other energy-stimulating nutrients. And it's perfect whether you're working out, gaming, studying, or during those intimate times with your partner. Not only does Energy Boost give you sustained, powerful energy, it's also specifically formulated to avoid those negative effects that I was talking about that some people experience with just consuming caffeine alone. I, I'm a massive coffee drinker. I can tell you the crash is no fun, right? We all know that. Those of us that are Starbucks, affectionados, or um, wherever you may get your coffee, we all know what that does. This is not going to give you that crash. And Vitality Boost, by the way, is a leader in the supplement uh, energy market. And customers absolutely love them. Right now, they have a 92% five-star review on JudgeMe. It's a third-party review platform that only accepts reviews from verified purchases. So you know they're not just creating these manufactured uh, manufactured reviews. These are real people 
reviewing the product, honestly. And 92% is a, an amazing, amazing uh, five-star rating review. So check out Energy Boost today, risk-free. You can go to VitaliBoost.com. Again, that's V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. You use our promo code WWE for a discount. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the science behind Energy Boost, visit my Vitali Boost's health guide at VitaliBoost.com. Uh, again, V-I-T-A-L-I-Boost.com. And right there, you'll find information p- from peer-reviewed academic journals about the active ingredients in all of Vitali Boost supplements. All of these supplements, by the way, are made in the United States. That's cool. And a reminder, go to VitaliBoost.com and use our promo code WWE. You'll get a discount on the Energy Boost and all of their other great supplements. So don't miss out, guys. Go check out Energy Boost. And again, it's vitaliboost.com, V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. You're gonna acknowledge me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast Mailbag Loaded Show tonight. I didn't think I'd have this many questions and voicemails considering that this week is Christmas. So thank you, everybody, for your contributions during this very busy week, and I hope that you get some time off from your your place of employment, and you're able to spend it with family and friends. So, all right, let's just jump right in. No shameless plugs. You guys know where to get me ad-free. Now, we're going to start with somebody who is who has not started out the show in at least like three weeks, and we're going to start with Randy. Randy the patron, which, by the way, guys, as I just said, I'm not going to plug you get this priority placement if you are on Patreon. You get to be put right at the beginning of the show. So Randy, the patron, writes us and says, First, the Miz and Edge angle is done over and over again. Now that she slapped Edge, Beth will come. Remind you of something? Cena and Nikki with Miz and Maurice. I mean, I'm happy that the payoff was Maurice and Beth wrestling. But I want Edge and Miz first. Who do you think is winning that match? I feel Miz will cheat his way into victory. So, that is a nice analogy. That's a very accurate analogy of Nikki and Cena, who had a program with Miz and Maurice a number of years ago. You're exactly right. And if the payoff is Maurice and Beth, then, you know, I I don't think that's the... The biggest payoff that they can create out of this. I think the biggest payoff is a tag team match with uh, both of them involved, right? I mean, it's couple versus couple. To me, that is the biggest payoff, and I think you will see that eventually happen. Now, what does that mean? I think it could mean that you're you're also exactly right, Randy, where we have Miz cheat to, to beat Edge at the pay-per-view, where many people believe that Edge is going to just dismantle Miz. Now, what this does, though, it creates a domino effect because if this program is more than just day one and it goes into uh, Royal Rumble, that would assumingly mean that the Miz and Edge are not in the Royal Rumble because if you, as the rules tend to go, not all the time, but tend to go, when you have a match on the pay-per-view, you normally aren't actually involved in the Royal Rumble match itself. Now, we've seen 
things happen to the contrary. I think even Roman Reigns at one point was involved in the Rumble, and he uh, was also in a championship match that night, among other people. So it's not impossible, but that's normally, normally the case. So you're, you may be taking out Edge and Miz from the Rumble if you're going to continue this through that time. That, that's why I'm saying this. If this is an Edge victory, like if Edge just spears Miz into oblivion a couple of times and he gets a clean victory, this thing's over. If he doesn't and Maurice somehow costs Edge the match, Beth will get involved and you'll, you might see a tag match or Beth could be at ringside or show up to even the odds and allow Edge to get the victory at day one. I mean, so we may not even get the tag team match. This is this the finish of this one is very interesting to me because of the time of year with WrestleMania right around the corner. Rumble's a huge pay per view, obviously. And do you want this program going more than one just one pay per view? You know, you it is very interesting. Okay. Move on. Uh next, apparently they have big plans for Omos or Omos and AJ with the Rumble and WrestleMania. I'm calling it Omos or AJ win the Rumble. But going to NXT, I'm kind of excited because Grayson Waller can have a hell of a heel already beating up Johnny and all. But you think they were going to make AJ take a loss? Yeah, look, I don't know enough about NXT to make an educated opinion on that. I'd have to toss it to Zach Smith on that one. You know, that said, I, I believe that AJ Styles is there to not just job, but help elevate the talent, make them look better than they are right now. And also to pass his knowledge on to the the younger talent, elevate them, show them in the ring, have the talent that are in NXT work with one of the best performers in the world in AJ Styles. There's nothing bad that can come out of uh, AJ Styles going to NXT, at least from the perspective of NXT. Now, if you want AJ Styles to be immediately interjected into a, a world title match, well, you may be waiting a little while as this looks like a temporary stop for AJ. So um, I, I really, that, that's my answer. <laughs> um, next, if uh, I'm not fooled, Paul and Roman are screwing Brock, I feel. Where, where Brock will take a loss, but in, with a Paul Heyman mistake or something. Yeah, like this is also very interesting because you have a scenario that you would think after last week with what Roman did to Paul Heyman, that it would lend itself to an immediate reunion of Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. That's what logic would tell you. And that still may be the case, but it may not. Maybe this is an entire ploy, an entire plot hatched by Roman and Paul Heyman to lure Brock into a sense of security that he's working with Brock behind the scenes but he's really not. That's a very good observation, Randy. It could be the case where Paul and Roman, even though he took a punch, they are still working together. And this whole thing has been a just a complete uh, master plan from the beginning. And then you have Brock Lesnar go on a complete rampage. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You You may be 100% right, Randy. That's That's true, yes. Last and finally, where is my damn Alexa Bliss? I have a feeling Rumble, she's coming back or sooner. Maybe screw Charlotte and Tony, but not for the title. Uh, That's it for this week. Been working 55 hours the past two weeks. You have been getting me through with your shows on my way to work. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Randy. I hope all is well on your end and uh, you have some time off with family and friends uh, this coming weekend. 
Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. Hi, everyone. This is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. We're co-hosts of the podcast Lost Culturistas. And this holiday season, don't you want to feel it all? Well, good news, people. Trojan, America's number one condom, is here to help with Trojan Bearskin Raw, America's thinnest latex condom, which helps you enjoy a more natural experience. But you didn't see that solution coming, did you? You know, I didn't either, to be honest. Well, it's not just about being thin. <laughs> Bearskin Raw also features a silky smooth lubricant to increase comfort and sensitivity. It's like putting on a silky glove with lubricant, except not on your hand, on another part. Yeah, you know the part. So before the year comes to a close, be sure to seek out the pleasure of Trojan Bearskin Raw Condoms. Triple tested and trusted for over 100 years. They've been doing it raw for over a century, baby. Trojan, feel your best, get yours on. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. And... um yeah, I don't know where Alexa Bliss is. I keep scouring and I guess stalking is a better, more accurate uh, description of what I'm doing with Alexa Bliss's social media profiles just to see if she's dropping any hints, to see if she's saying anything, doing anything, you know, and, and occasionally she'll drop like a little nugget here and there, but it never amounts to anything. She doesn't show up on TV. I believe kind of what you do, that it's 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 going to happen and probably at day one, it's screwing somebody over or at Rumble. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Yes, to, to both of those are very plausible. It's just a matter of who does she have beef with? You know, and if you remember, Charlotte is the one that tore up Lily a number of months ago. I think it was like late in the summer. It feels like forever ago. So I think you're right. Should we could have Alexa Bliss screw Charlotte where Tony Storm ends up, I mean, you could have her win, but I'd actually have Tony Storm just, uh, you know, or maybe have a, a, have Charlotte win so she retains the championship, but you have Alexa Bliss then make her return and destroy Charlotte for what she did to Lily. So that's my thought. Good thoughts, Randy. Always intriguing and hope all is well and get through that working, get through that working day, man. I know it's not easy. It's it's not. We're all we're all insanely just distracted by life, aren't we? All right, let's get to. Let's see who do I want to go to next. Let's get to Mike from uh, Mike Twenty Men. I, I, I hope that's right. From uh, Fortnightly Mailbag. Yes. Um, what a week! But the big question everybody wants an answer to is: Will Brock and Paul Heyman come down to the ring in a tractor? <laughs> uh, I'm glad uh, Heyman is now away from Roman. We might get the old Heyman back. Okay, uh, before I move on, yeah, that that is the million dollar question, isn't it? 
Are they going to come down to the ring in the tractor? Hell, let's just add some hay. Let, let's make the ring into like a makeshift barn, you know, uh, where Brock can uh, feel right at home. Put some straw in his mouth, maybe a cowboy hat on, um, you know, whatever they do in Saskatchewan. Maybe I'm getting too Southern. Maybe I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm probably not accurately describing the culture of Saskatchewan, but forgive me. I've never been there. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that is a million dollar question, buddy. RK Broneman, what happened to that? Have they forgot about it or RK Bro versus Alpha Academy better for day one? Yep. Yes. And I didn't even catch that on Raw, that it wasn't a part of the show um, until afterwards. And I'm glad you brought it up. I just didn't bring it up on my show for review last night. Yeah, I think they just realized, oh, yeah, we should stop giving away this free stuff on you know TV and save something for the pay-per-view. Yeah, that that's a uh, revolutionary concept, huh? I think that's exactly what they've done. Is waiting and they're waiting until uh, day one. Austin Theory came out to a load of boos. The crowd didn't seem to be booing; rather, uh, just giving the thumbs down. Either way, great match. He's going to be a brilliant heel. Glad Finn got the win. Yeah, I did notice the reaction for Austin Theory too. It was uh, just it was complete disapproval for Austin Theory. Maybe it was disapproval for the entire storyline. You know, maybe you're you're onto something where it wasn't a complimentary boo. It, <clears throat> excuse me. It was rather a <clears throat> we we hate this storyline boo. And <clears throat> it could be right. You know, it, it was a thumbs down. But yeah, I, I agree. Austin Theory still has some. You know, he, he you talk about a young a young guy that had with all the potential in the world. Austin Theory is one of them, and I understand why Vince is maybe taking a liking to him. Because he does have a look, he's young, he's athletic, he's he's got everything. He's got the 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 presence on camera. I mean, he really is just he's got all the fundamentals. It's just a matter of building on it and executing the right story and character depth that needs to accompany all of this. And um, yeah, I'm with you on that though, Austin Theory. I don't hate it when I see him. I just don't like what he's involved with right now with Vince. Because Vince right now is detracting from this storyline by also making Austin's theory subservient to him. I mean, Austin theory is kind of this cocky, arrogant dude. And then he cowers in fear when he sees Vince McMahon. What happened to this anything could happen attitude for pro wrestling shows? What happened to, you know, standing up to the authority? I understand he's supposed to be the teacher's pet. He's a heel. He's not going to go against Vince. But letting him slap you and just, yes, sir. No, sir. Whatever you want, sir. Uh, you know, there's all this complete subservience to him it's a little bit too much for me even even though he's a heel uh i don't know it's it's not my thing and plus you hear you can't even understand what vince is saying it's like every fifth word you might kind of get a syllable or, or two but the dude has to open his mouth i said this yesterday and enunciate his words and stop talking it's just a bunch of grumbling okay Imagine what it's like to listen to Vince McMahon with a mask on. I mean, with all the masks around today, at least in New York, where it's still a thing. I know depending on where you are in the country, it may or may not be still implemented. But you know, if you are in a place where masks are still a thing, then um, you know, imagine Vince McMahon in a mask. You, you might as well just uh, completely guess as to what he's t- uh, telling you or asking you. Just completely pick something out of the blue. And, and, and answer it because you have a better chance of getting what he's saying than trying to actually listen. <laughs> so, all right, moving on. Um, but yes, I, I'm glad that Finn got the win as well, as well. I'm surprised he did. Of course, Austin Theory got his heat back immediately attacking Finn and then taking the selfie, which is 
good because I want to see him get his ass kicked again. But Finn getting the victory here felt like a big deal. That's how far Finn has fallen when a victory over Austin Theory feels like a character direction change, doesn't it? It's amazing. Or a character boost. Omos, or Omos, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. The problem is it's phonetically, I guess, Omos, I think, but it's spelled Omos, like almost, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, Omos and The Miz, wasn't expecting that. Glad they have a split. Let AJ Styles have a singles run and palm Omos off on The Miz. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I, I gave a little bit of my thoughts on what I think this means for both competitors after they have their program match or two or three, and they both move on to to their own separate directions of their stories. I do wonder what, you know, they're going to do. And my, my general summation from last night was that I think they're both going to be in the world title picture, maybe not at the same time because you can't have them constantly fighting one another. I mean, they're doing a personal thing now. You can't have them then fighting over championships forever. <clears throat> so I think... They're both going to parallel each other. Maybe where Omos is in a title picture at one point, then AJ pops in. Now, does it mean either one's going to win the championship? I don't think immediately. I don't think Omos is ready. I think AJ is. I mean, AJ's ready at any point in this in this in his career right now. AJ is just consistently ready. He's always ready. But Omos has some more work to do in ring. I think and on the mic, he's got that presence down. He's got his facials down. His body language. But Omos needs to be a little bit more limber in the ring. I'm not asking him to do a 450 splash, but just maybe look a little less stiff. Uh, you know, and, and look, the guy is a massive human being. You can only expect so much with the the physics of that body. But it's I, I think whatever he can do to maximize his his flexibility and his move set safely. And, and expand his moveset variety wise. I think it's going to help him. Of course, on the mic too. There, there's, you know, that's one thing that no matter how big or tall or strong you are, or whatever limitations you have physically, the mic work can always be improved. That's always. I mean, that, that goes across the board because you aren't limited by your physical size or lack thereof. So that I think is one thing he could also work on. And also, you know, his he, he his enunciation of words too sometimes are a little bit hard to understand. I don't know if it's because he has an accent or he's just speaking too close to the mic or speaks too quickly, but he needs to slow down what he's saying and making sure that we can understand. Cause I had to really kind of fish for what he was saying to AJ Styles while he was laying on the mat after he had taken him out this week. Okay. Way into way more than I thought to answer that moving on. I've never been to a TV show, but when they cut to commercials and let's say the Viking Raiders are beating their chest, waiting for the next team to come to the ring, what happens during commercials um, as they now have promos after the commercials and it cuts back to the Viking Raiders still beating their chests? That break was nearly 15 minutes. Surely they don't stand there for that long. No. So unless they have changed things, um, and, and I haven't been to a WWE event in a couple of years, really since Raw 25 in Brooklyn, at best moment that I've had in wrestling in a while, seeing Stone Cold Steve Austin for the first time in like a decade or more, in my at least for me, coming out in stunning Shane and Vince I have it on my phone. It's just uh, it's one of those moments that always makes makes you feel good as a fan. 
Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. One for hitting a trail. One for catching a wave. One where this happened. Yo, where'd our tent go? Another where the fish get bigger. Every time you tell the story. Some spots, you made your mark. Others, marked you. And one, oh, okay, let's stay away from that one. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With best-in-class standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. Comparison based on 2022 Frontier S versus latest in-market ward small truck segment. Base models compared based on manufacturer's website. But since that time, I haven't been to a, a show. Now, what they do is they just stop the entrance music and they just kind of they, they'll run promos in-house. They won't obviously do commercials that you see on TV. They'll do like, you know, promotions for, I don't know, Trivia for the Troops or, a, 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 you know, Be a Star campaign or uh, Susan G. Komen or, you know, a, a promo for a documentary they're doing on X person. It's that kind of in-house stuff that they, they'll run. And then when they're about to come back on the air, the entrance music for that particular team or individual comes back on and they'll resume what they were doing as if it was just continued from the commercial break when it started. I hope I explained that. Maybe I confused you, but that's how that's how they do it. They don't stand there for 15 minutes and pound their chests. <laughs> no, uh, that would be hilarious, though, just uh, as a prank on the crowd. Okay. Cheers for now. Hope everyone is, has a good time celebrating Jesus's birthday from Mike. Well, thank you, uh, Mike. I hope you are uh, celebrating as well and uh, that you are, again, happy, healthy in this just uh, just crazy time. You know, we think we're out of COVID. It comes back. You know, you, you have mask mandates come back, at least where I am. And actually, I work for New York State. I'm a state employee there. Um, and the governor of New York Kathy Hochul, uh, not my, I'm not a biggest fan of hers, um, who obviously took over after, after Andrew Cuomo was shamefully resigned in the sexual harassment allegations and, and a bunch of other stuff. So she took over as the first woman governor, and she's actually, I think, worse than Cuomo in terms of just policy. And what I'm, what I'm saying is, the reason I'm talking about this is not to talk politics, but to tell you that she reinstated a mask mandate where it's not just indoor places you have to wear a mask, it's even while you're sitting as a state employee at your desk, 
and you're six feet away from that person, even if you're vaccinated, they're fully vaccinated, everybody's like, you know, 100 yards away from one another. It doesn't matter. You have to sit and wear a mask. It's complete nonsense. There's no science behind it. Uh, it's miserable. And uh, I, I I am not a fan of it. And I can tell you there's no data to support any of that. It's just purely, purely uh, about compliance and politically motivated. But let's move on. Oh, God. I, I really am going to start a, pol- a politics podcast. I swear. I'm going to, but the problem is I would alienate some of you. It's a very, very, it's a extremely touchy subject. I know this. And I know that some of you, whatever side of the aisle you fall on, it's it's unfortunately become something that a lot of people can't even be friends over anymore. It's not like something that, oh, you disagree on this policy issue, that policy, you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican. And they kind of have a, just a, you know, a uh, civil conversation. That's not the case anymore, which is sad. Okay, moving on. I'm not trying to talk politics right now. Let's do it. Tommy Smith, who is also a patron of the show. Thank you so much, Tommy, for your uh, support. And he writes in, hi, Matt. I was typing out a question to you about AJ Styles and how they could protect him after he loses to Omos next week. When I saw the news about AJ going to NXT 2.0, I really hadn't thought of as a way to protect AJ, but I think of that by sending him there, he, it will give us time to forget about his current storyline and give him something to do for a while before bringing him back to the main card. Speaking of Omas, I think he really needs a manager. He isn't ready to cut promos, and they recognized that last night when they let The Miz talk for him. I've been trying to think who would be a good fit, but can't think of anyone. Who do you think would be a good fit for him? Interesting. Okay, I know you have one more paragraph. I'll get to it in a second about Liv Morgan. But AJ Styles, you know, that's not a bad idea or a bad thought process, Tommy, where AJ Styles, the reason he's going there, assumingly temporarily, that would be insane for him to just sit there in NXT, um, is to, after Omos destroys him, which he's going to, AJ's not going to beat Omos, that it's a way to have fans forget about what had happened. And once he returns to the main roster, it's like everything's been washed clean. Time heals all wounds. And it's true i think for the most part especially in wrestling with so much going on all the time there's just an overload of content that after even like a month or you know a month and a half four to six weeks you could have fans go oh that's right yeah he got destroyed by omos but he's back right and and fans i think recognize that and appreciate fans or appreciate wrestlers that take some time off uh even if it's just to go to another brand because i can tell you that the majority of Raw fans and SmackDown fans, the majority of them, don't watch NXT. I mean, look at the ratings. They're about half of Raw and SmackDown. So there is that. Uh, And I think you're right about uh, Omos needing a manager. The thing is, though, he just split from AJ, and AJ was kind of by proxy his manager. I understand AJ is an actual active performer, but AJ did 95% of the talking anyway. So who would you pair him with that isn't an active performer. You, you're, if you're talking about a pure manager, like just not somebody that's an active wrestler, that's hard. That that's There's nearly nobody on the roster. There's nobody. There's no such thing right now as just managers, like free agent managers, which is actually a shame. Managers can draw some serious heat. It's a lost art. Right now you have Paul Heyman, and then that's about it. <laughs> like Paul Heyman is one of the last true managers. I know he wouldn't call himself a manager, but you can label it whatever you want, advocate, manager, you know, whatever he calls himself with Roman Reigns, the uh, council, special counsel. I don't care. He's a manager. He's a pro wrestling manager at, at its basic level. And having him around is really the only one right now. He's the only one 
that is a true pro wrestling manager. So outside of him, I mean, you have MVP, but MVP is also kind of an active competitor. So I, I guess if you're going to force me to choose the current roster, it would be MVP simply because it seems there's some friction right now between Bobby Lashley and MVP. And if that continues and they split, you could have a MVP gravitate towards Omos and then have a program with Bobby Lashley saying that he's gone to bigger, literally bigger and better things and having Omos tear down Bobby Lashley. How about that? Interesting, huh? I just created a storyline in my mind that uh, seems somewhat plausible. All right. I'm telling you, not a lot of plausible things come out of my mind on a daily basis. I'll say that. Okay. I know a lot of people are big Liv Morgan fans, but the last two weeks hasn't been good on the mic. I know I'm probably in the minority, but I'm ready for her to lose to Becky and for Becky to move on to someone else. I really would like to see Becky and Bianca at WrestleMania. I know it's still a long way away, but what are your thoughts on that match for WrestleMania? Love the show and Merry Christmas, Tommy. Merry Christmas to you, brother. I've also noted that on my shows over the last couple weeks that, you know, I haven't been a fan of her on the mic. I didn't think it was bad the last two weeks. Um, I think that her best was three weeks ago when uh, she was facing Liv Morgan or just before the pay-per-view with Liv Morgan and Becky and, or not the pay-per-view, the match that they had on Raw. And when they had that face to face, to me, that was Liv's best promo and the one where they made evented Raw. And you got to see some background of Liv Morgan, like behind the scenes and what it means to her mother and how she grew up and all that, the, like the feel good stuff <clears throat> to me. You know, that was the best live was. And since then, yeah, it's been kind of mediocre and it feels a little scripted and kind of, oh, feel good. Oh, I'm going to do it for the little girls. It's like, shut up, you know, stop, please. Can somebody as a baby face stop talking about being a hero for the little girls and little boys and talking about just just transparently, you know, goody two shoes crap about being a fighting champion? Like, stop it. Stop it. Just let your character shine through. We know as a baby face by default that you are the hero to a lot of people, but you don't say it. It's just, it's something that you don't say the quiet part out loud, right? Like we just know that by just by the mere fact you're a baby face. But for some reason, Vince feels the need to declare it every single time somebody turns baby face. It's sickening. But that said, as I just tore everything down, I will say that I think Liv Morgan has been, he's been, she's been okay. I think she's been okay. The last couple of day, uh, weeks, it hasn't been embarrassing. She, the thing is, and I've, I said this on my show last night, what covers for her, even if the content is clearly being read in her mind or it's just too kumbaya-ish for me, the, the whole feel cuddly good thing, uh, cuddly mushy stuff that the writers come up with. The good thing about her is this is something you can't teach and you it's nearly impossible to duplicate if you don't already have it. She's got a presence on the mic. Her cadence is great. She's got a voice, and I said this last night, a feminine but commanding voice. That will help. She has like the opposite tone of like Sasha Banks, where Sasha is better in terms of skill on, on the microphone. She understands how to quote unquote cut a promo better than Liv. Granted, she's had many more opportunities and been in an infinite number of more main events than her. I understand that bigger lights, bigger stages. But with Sasha Banks, even though she's a baby face now, her voice, even in normal speaking voice, is not nice to listen to it's 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 kind of like listening to stephanie mcmahon just in a normal voice not trying to manipulate your voice in any way just an annoying tone that comes out of those vocal cords and then you add her laugh on top of it and you know it it becomes insufferable 
And so even as a baby or as, as a heel, it's not good heat for me. It's change, change the channel. This is just stop, stop the pain. And with Liv, it's kind of the, the opposite where her material isn't as good. Her delivery or rather her, um, her, her just wit and innate promo skills that Sasha has, she doesn't. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. Hi, everyone. This is Bowen Yang. And I'm Matt Rogers. Co-host of the podcast Lost Culturistas. And if there's one thing about both the holiday season and New Year's Eve, it's that we never want either to end. Let's keep it going with Trojan, America's number one condom brand. Yes. In fact, Trojan extended pleasure condoms do just that. They help you last longer, so the pleasure does too. Ooh. The condoms feature Climax Control Lubricant, which helps to control climax and prolong lasting lovemaking. Ooh. And guess what? Extended pleasure is also available as a spray to help prolong pleasure even further. Oh my God. Can I spray it on at an Adele show to make it last forever? Yes, you can. And I have sex as often as I go to Adele concerts. So before the year ends, get yourself some extended pleasure condoms and extended pleasure delay spray from Trojan. Triple tested and trusted for over 100 years. For a century. Trojan. Fill your best. Get yours on. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. And those will come a time, but to me, the more important thing is, how do you sound? How do you feel? What's your presence on the mic? You know, the words are secondary, right? The words are secondary. Those can change. But your presence and how you sound on the microphone is everything. So to me, it's the perfect way to describe it. Feminine, but strong and commanding and clear. She's the opposite of Vince McMahon right now. I mean, like you talk about two ends of the spectrum. Like she is such a clear and slow speaker, not to the point of an obnoxious, just perfect to absorb what she's saying. So I, I can't speak enough, highly enough about Liv in terms of that. But I agree what you're saying. The content of her promos has been a little bit subpar the last couple of weeks. I totally agree on that. Uh, but as far as the Becky and Bianca at WrestleMania, yes, to me that looks like the shoe and main event. You know, uh, you know, of course, depending on what happens with Liv, if she takes off and explodes, then things could change. But if everything remains the same and WrestleMania was like next week, Becky and Bianca, end of, so- end of story, end of subject, case closed. That's it. Yes, I agree. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, Liv is probably not going to win at day one, but I think the outrage will continue of fans, and that's a good thing. So, all right, Tommy, thank you. Let's continue on. And let's see, we have a few more from our patrons, and then we'll get to uh, the common folk. 
all my loyal subjects, right? Hear ye, hear ye. Did I just turn heel? Uh, okay. How's it, Matt? This is from uh, Miller from beautiful South Africa. It's been quite a while. Been hectic times at work being in the health industry. Well, first of all, the brother, just, you know, <laughs> if you're in any kind of health field right now, you know, I can't imagine the hours and things you're dealing with. I know, you know, I know there's other things other than COVID in this world and people forget that. Like everything right now, every symptom everyone has for anything at all is COVID. You know, it's just, I, I understand the mentality of that, but of course there's thousands of other diseases out there that we're just putting to the side and forgetting about. So I'm not sure if you're dealing with both or one or the other, but, and uh, take a, take a breather when you can, but okay. Thanks to all the hosts, as well as the listeners on the mailbag, keeping me in touch with everything that's been going on in the WWE world. Hope everyone is doing well and staying safe with this new variant going around and causing panic everywhere again. Yes. The one good thing I'll say, and I'm really trying not to get political, but since people are bringing it up, this really isn't political, though. The the, the Omicron variant, it, right now, all the data seems to suggest it's an extremely, or it's a much more mild form of COVID than Delta and or the original virus. So while the, it's spreading like wildfire, it is giving most people the most vi- um, violent, the most uh, mild version of COVID that you can imagine. Um at least that we've seen so far out of the variants that have come across. So that's a good thing, right? Like if, if one strain was going to spread and it's super transmissible, wouldn't you want it to be the most, you know, just mild form where it's essentially a cold for most people. So there is that. And, and if that's the case, then this could essentially help end the pandemic because people will build up immunity and most people won't die from this. And it's, it's, you know, if, if there's a way to do it, then, you know, all right. Well, enough about COVID. Let's move on. Um, where am I here? I lost my lost my uh, my train of thought. I've missed a lot, which I wanted to comment on the past few weeks, but just want to say I'm devastated about the news about Jeff Hardy being released. Such a shame as it looked like his career was just going up. And unfortunately, agree with you that he probably we won't see him again in WWE. Yeah, um, I know that was a few weeks ago, too, but I would highly doubt at least in in ring capacity. In ring, his days are done in WWE. He's had more than enough chances. And, you know, I, I don't blame WWE for that at all. You know, I, I we crap on them for a lot of stuff and for a lot of releases that don't make sense to us, mainly because we're on the outside and don't know the real reasons. But this one, you know, look, you, if what we're hearing is true about he was, you know, having alcohol or he was under the influence of drugs, whatever, you got to let him go and you can't have him come back. In ring anyway, he's done. You want to have a Hall of Fame moment for him? Cool. You know, you want to bring him out on Raw in, in a few years and have a cool reunion moment with maybe Matt Hardy, if, if you know, in a in another universe. <laughs> maybe he comes back. I mean, weirder things have happened. But I think a Hall of Fame moment right now is uh, probably all they'll do in a few years for uh, the Hardy Boys, and they'll call it a, a career. I do not think you'll ever see a match from Jeff Hardy again in WWE. I would be shocked. Now, if you want to see Jeff Hardy in ring, of course, AEW may be a place that you can look because things may be heating up there. But all right. Agree. I need to agree with you. Uh, I actually, for the first time in a long time, watched the entire show of Raw. I actually really enjoyed it and think they did a good job. I'm a massive Liv Morgan fan and do enjoy the story with her and Becky. I was actually shocked that Liv was on Raw this week. As you uh, uh, as like you say, with the predictability Usually after an attack, like last week, the attacked superstar 
usually misses the next show, and the heel just has a single promo. So it was quite nice, a nice surprise and something new. Yeah, that's that is true. You know, Liv Morgan last week uh, with her being her arm being smashed between the steel ring steps and the ring post. You're right. Yeah. But I think the purpose of that was to show fight in Liv. You know, she doesn't quit. Nothing can stop her. Even a bum arm can't all that stuff. Uh, and but you're right. Um, OK, I lost my spot again. Uh, with uh, the WWE title now being a fatal four way, which for me is way more exciting than uh, triple threat as triple threat is the go-to match when they don't know what to do. And with Kevin Owens resigning with WWE and rumors of Bobby Lashley having a character change and turning face, I find this match interesting. Can't count Owens out because he will be staying. And the whole handshake and hug between Owens and Rollins definitely means they're going to turn on each other in the match. And I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but I think that that's going to make an opening for Big E to get the win. And WWE loves the champions winning fatal four-way matches, overcoming the odds, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, well, first of all, yeah. I mean, Kevin Owens resigning with resigning. I, I think I accidentally said resigning, resigning with WWE. You know, I think a lot of people are disappointed in that, including myself selfishly. I think him, AEW would have been a better fit, but what the hell do I know? Um, the more that I think about this match with the Fatal 4-Way, and I have been of the belief that it's Kevin Owens who's going to take the pinfall uh, and Seth Rollins gets the victory and that protects Big E. You know, the more I think about it, you're, there is an absolute case to be made, and perhaps it's even a stronger case, that Big E winning this match would exactly position what you said in him being a, a champion that overcomes the odds. And, and I have sneaking suspicion that they're not looking at this as a way to protect Big E and get the belt off him without hurting him, but rather using this as a stepping stone or a notch in Big E's belt to say, hey, yeah, the, the odds were against him. He didn't have to be involved in the decision at all. And there were three other guys in that match and he still persevered. Yeah, I'm getting more and more nervous about that being the outcome. So. Stay tuned for our preview and prediction show, or our, our official one, coming next week. I'm going to try to get Ashley on. Uh, as I've said in the last few weeks, now it's been like three four weeks since I've had a co-host on. It's been so difficult with my uh, daughter's sleeping schedule, and I also have a, a, a toddler. So they, when one wakes up, the other one hears the other one wake up, and it's this domino effect, and it's it's been so crazy, and I hope this is just a quick phase. It's not that I'm being lazy or don't know the value in bringing somebody else on. Trust me, I do, and I want other people on, and I've got so many people backlogged that I want to talk to. Of course, Memphis Mark, who is just uh, just so much fun watching him on Twitter and uh, or everywhere else he's on social media. <laughs> he's a blast. Uh, I, I want to bring back Ashley, right? I want to eventually be able to talk to Mimi again about AEW. Like I've got, I've got so many people that I've got lined up when things return to normal and perhaps it'll have to be some weird time during the day that we reconnect and I'll record it then. But anyway, uh, I know they, I get that. Oh, while I remember guys, uh, I can't believe I didn't make this announcement at the beginning before I continue Miller. I don't mean to stomp on your email here next week. Don't forget. It's the takeover edition of the mailbag. So next week, the mailbag returns with Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. So get your emails in. They will be answering your emails, including 
anybody on Patreon sending me their messages through the internal messaging system, I'll just forward those on as emails to him. So don't worry about emailing me directly. So emails to real podcast at gmail.com. Of course, unless you're a patron, just send them through your normal way. Those will all be answered by Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling fan. He also has an email this week. I'll get to that. But I'll be doing the voicemails. So we're going to do kind of a tag team thing here <clears throat> or really a triple threat since the missus is involved here. It's kind of a triple threat match. And I don't like my odds, given that there's two of them and one of me. So we'll have to see. I may have to cheat to win, grab the ropes, you know, use brass knucks. We'll see. But um, <laughs> that said, I just want to remind you guys. So don't forget next week is a huge mailbag show. It'll be the after Christmas takeover edition. So, all right, moving on with uh, your email, Miller. Let's see. Uh, I used to not care about the New Day. Didn't love them. Didn't hate them. But now I finally finally realize what you've been going on for on for ages. They make me sick. The New Day is the tag team equivalent of uh, to almost a superhero Nikki. I'm not so invested with Austin Theory. His gimmick and storyline with Mr. McMahon. But Theory is a hell of an athlete. And that springboard fly, Spanish fly he did was freaking insane. Yeah, that was insane. I put Austin Theory over in terms of a... Uh, in ring, we all know what he can do in ring. He's got a he's a pretty boy face. Uh, he's obnoxious. He's got the skills, and we'll see what he can do with them. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. At Pods, moving in storage is what we do best. It's why Pods has been trusted with over 5 million moves. Our top-rated moving and storage team is here every step of the way. We handle the driving and deliver your container with care. And with transparent pricing, there are no hidden fees. Get up to 15% off and free local delivery with code PODS15. Call 1-877-973-PODS or visit pods.com now to reserve your container. Offer valid on local moves with three or more months of storage. Terms and conditions apply. For more details, visit pods.com. Need a last-second gift? Rethink it. The best gifts don't come with a price tag, and you can't buy them online. Patagonia and the Dirtbag Diaries present a four-part podcast series about unique gifts that change lives and bring people together outside. Give used, give back, give knowledge, and get inspired. Listen to the best gift on the Dirtbag Diaries podcast on Spotify. But yeah, I know. Look, I've been bra- bragging. I've been nagging about New Day for literally years. I mean, probably like four years now. I'm not even exaggerating about that. It's been forever since I, at least those of you that have listened to me from the beginning and even probably before that. And I know it's tiring and I know it's, you know, kind of like, oh, here he goes again. Oh, my God. Can you just shut up about it? And I'm not saying you said that, but I'm sure people do. And if it's, you know, the host talks about the same thing all the time, it does get tiring. But when I see the same thing every time, WWE is forcing me to talk about what I see. And if it's the same thing, it's really on them. But I'm glad you finally came around to the light, Miller, and you have realized the ineptitude, the eye-rolling, uh, em- secondhand embarrassment that is the New Day. Thank you. I'm glad. And I hopefully I can turn more people to the light uh, and, and make them realize that uh, New Day is... They're not just dead. They're embarrassing to the product. They're an embarrassment as characters, as characters. 
not in ring, not as human beings, but as characters, they're an embarrassment to the wrestling industry and a subject. I don't know how to make it much bigger of an insult than that. I'm trying to make it, you know, more stinging than that. And I, without using colorful language or calling for them being fired, which I'm not, they, they are just an embarrassment to the pro wrestling industry and they can tout all the merchandise sales all they want. They are, especially Kofi Kingston and Xavier have been the absolute worst thing to happen to Monday night raw since, I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. Maybe the zombies taking or eating them is. I don't know. All right, moving on. Um, the AJ and Omos split, I think, is great for both, but Omos is still undefeated in singles action. I look forward to seeing him in the Rumble. But AJ versus Omos, AJ needs to get back into the singles title run, but I also don't want to, Omos, don't want to bury Omos. Will AJ be the guy to give Omos his first singles loss? No. I, I can say that with full confidence. AJ, right right now, the split is probably more about Omos than it is AJ. There's no way that AJ Styles, right now, at least how he's billed right now, is going to give Omos his first loss. There's there's like almost no chance of that. Now, could they eventually have AJ Styles be built up, be built up, be built up for a number of months, and then eventually face Omos and him be the one to finally take Omos down? It could be, but initially, hell no. Hell no. Um, I just need to add, I don't watch NXT, but I watched the Gonzalez versus Kai Street fight. Holy crap, these ladies are so super tough. They really make the women on the main roster look like fairies. <laughs> I didn't see it. Can't comment on it. Um, but I take your word for it. Main event for day one, Brock versus Reigns. Last Friday's segment opened a whole new imagination part of our brains. Love it. What's going to happen? I love Reigns. But would love to see his first night back without Paul Heyman. Is Heyman going to come back as Brock's advocate? Is this a setup to screw Brock again? Well, Miller, I think I explained it in a couple of emails before with another patron. It might have been Randy uh, who brought this exact point up. And I tended to agree that it could be that Brock and Heyman immediately reunite. But only to have Heyman screw Brock at the pay-per-view to help Roman Reigns. And this whole thing's been a ploy between Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman from the beginning, which would then, I think, bolster Brock Lesnar's babyface run because Paul Heyman's not an inherently likable guy. Like, he can turn a crowd and, and put it, you know, put their uh, support behind him, but it's not an, a natural thing to do for people because they're just so Pavlovian response-driven to boo Paul Heyman, Right. Because he's so good at being a heel. So him turning babyface would be more of a challenge maybe than it's worth. And I think there's a case to be made to have Paul Heyman do exactly that. And don't forget, uh, Paul Heyman actually did this exact thing with the Big Show. When Big Show, uh, I think it was at the Royal Rumble in 2000. Do I want to say 2003? Royal Rumble 2003. When Paul Heyman went against, or rather uh, Brock Lesnar went against Big Show. And uh, the reason Brock Lesnar lost that match was because Paul Heyman screwed him. So, you know, it's not the Royal Rumble pay-per-view, but we're getting towards that time. So just some food for thought. It is. I think it's a very good possibility and actually more the probably the most likely scenario. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Matt. Hope all you and all the co-hosts and all the listeners are having an awesome Christmas with the family. And let's make the last week of 2021 the best week of the year and the momentum 
<laughs> you have to do that, don't you? Going into 2022, cheers. Sorry, Matt. Listening to your... Oh, yes, you have an additional uh, thought here. Um, so you said you're listening to your, my raw review, and it reminded me, or you, of something I wanted to say. You mentioned the stack raw coming up. I'm not sure what you mean by that. The stack raw. Uh, but anyway, I thought about it when now the pay-per-view is announced for December that each show, Raw and SmackDown, we're going to try to each have one massive stacked show as a brand pay-per-view, brand-only pay-per-view. Still two shows left for SmackDown, but the last show is scheduled to be December 31st. Would they make it a big go-home show for the pay-per-view? I mean, I think they they will. They they probably, you know, they have stacked the free TV shows more than the pay-per-views, it seems like. It seems like they're more focused on having great TV shows than they are actually stacking on pay-per-views. And perhaps there's a little bit of a monetary disincentive uh, here. And the reason I say that is WWE, when they sold their network uh, for at least for the next five years to Peacock, they don't get any more money when people sign up for subscriptions. Like they got their money from Peacock and they're running. So perhaps they're more interested in driving up the revenue on the individual television shows because that revenue can fluctuate depending on the ratings and so forth and, and what the sponsors agreements are with WWE. And so perhaps they have a monetary incentive to do that with the TV shows, realizing that they're they're kind of crapping on the pay-per-views, but knowing that if they stack everything on the pay-per-views, they're not going to get any more money. So I think I just stumbled across something there. All right. Uh, let's continue on here. What did you, well, oh, and another thought, everyone celebrates New Year's Eve at 12 o'clock. Are there going to be any hungover superstars running between the rings next Saturday. Cheers. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. You know, I'm, I'm sure that there will be. Although, from what I understand, the current culture in WWE is not one that you want to risk being hungover for. You know, and, and I wouldn't either. It's possible. But number one, a lot of people aren't big partiers like they used to be. It's not the quote unquote boys that go out and get hammered. You know, every time they go to a city, it's a much more controlled and, and much more focused on nutrition and, and making sure they don't you know ruffle any feathers and, and uh, you know, it, it's a much more t- a tame and toned down version of the backstage boys than it used to be. So I very much doubt that it's going to be that that's going to be the case, especially given that everyone knows they're on eggshells. No one's trying to piss anybody off because how quickly and easily WWE just lets people go. And it seems like nobody's immune. So I, I would say, there may be, but they better hide it very well from management. Um, I saw the memes and jokes about Veer Mahan walking from India, which is taking him so long. Interesting fact, Durban, a city in my beautiful South Africa, is the most populated Indian community in the world after the country India. Maybe he's coming from here, so that's why it's taking so long. It could be. Yeah, I mean, he could be walking from there in South Africa, uh, which you know also makes me wonder... Is he going to, you know, uh, produce a miracle and walk on water across the Atlantic to uh, to the United States? I mean, yeah, I don't know. But hey, cool fact, right? I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Durban is the most populated Indian community in the world after India. So now we all know. And knowing's half the battle. All right, Miller, let's uh, let's move on. But thank you so much. Hope the, uh, you are doing well and have a great holiday this coming week and it's time now to take a break you know what let's let's take a break i gotta give some love to the sponsor of the show and which by the way guys if you're on patreon or you're on apple podcasts 
and you have the ad-free versions of this show, which, by the way, is 99 cents for a limited time on Apple Podcasts or $9.99 for the entire year, you won't hear the ad that we're about to play. Right now, You, it's just going to skip to the next section as if it didn't happen. So how about that? And you don't have to do anything other than just hit that play button and lay back. But if you're on the free version, then you have to uh, you have to listen to this ad. So here we go. I'll be back on the other side with some more thoughts. And of course, continuing with emails, starting with Mr. DJ Kuzmo. So you're not going to want to miss that. Be right back. Let's talk about supplements for just a minute. The market of supplements is overcrowded, right? It's oversaturated. There's too many to choose from. You just don't know which one you want. You don't know which one's effective, what has potential harmful side effects. Well, I have one that I can tell you with confidence is not only not going to give you any of those negative side effects, but also will provide you with the energy that's sustainable. It doesn't have those crashes. And the product I'm talking about is called Energy Boost. It's from a company called Vitali Boost, and they sell a bunch of other great products. But you can check out the website at vitaliboost.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. So what makes Energy Boost so great? Well, it's made from natural, clinically researched ingredients that include caffeine, B vitamins, and other energy-stimulating nutrients. And it's perfect whether you're working out, gaming, studying, or during those intimate times with your partner. Not only does Energy Boost give you sustained, powerful energy, it's also specifically formulated to avoid those negative effects that I was talking about that some people experience with just consuming caffeine alone. I, I'm a massive coffee drinker. I can tell you the crash is no fun, right? We all know that. Those of us that are Starbucks affectionados or um, wherever you may get your coffee, we all know what that does. This is not going to give you that crash. And Vitality Boost, by the way, is a leader in the supplement uh, energy market. And customers absolutely love them. Right now, they have a 92% five-star review on Judge Me. It's a third-party review platform that only accepts reviews from verified purchases. So you know they're not just creating these manufactured, uh, manufactured reviews. These are real people reviewing the product, honestly. And 92% is a, an amazing, amazing uh, five-star rating review. So... Check out Energy Boost today, risk-free. You can go to VitaliBoost.com. Again, that's V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. You use our promo code WWE for a discount. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the science behind Energy Boost, visit my Vitali Boost's health guide at VitaliBoost.com. Uh, again, V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. And right there, you'll find information from peer-reviewed academic journals about the active ingredients in all of Vitali Boost supplements all of these supplements, by the way, are made in the United States. That's cool. And a reminder, go to vitaliboost.com and use our promo code WWE. You'll get a discount on the Energy Boost and all of their other great supplements. So don't miss out, guys. Go check out Energy Boost. And again, it's vitaliboost.com, V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. 
The road is calling. It's time to reconnect with loved ones and travel with confidence once again with the Red Lion family of hotels. Our eight distinct brands meet your every need, from the budget-friendly America's Best Value Inn to our flagship Red Lion Hotels. With hundreds of convenient locations, we have the perfect hotel wherever your next adventure takes you. Plus, when you join Hello Rewards, you can earn 10 Hello Bucks every stay to put toward your next one. So when you're ready, head for the open road and come say hello again. Book your next stay at Red Lion. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right. Well, this is that time of the week. Let's get yourself situated. I'm going to get myself a drink of water because we're about to head in to the DJ booth. All right, let's get to DJ's email. And he says, hey, Matt and WWE AEW podcast fam. This is DJ Kuzmo back at it again in your mailbag show. On this holiday edition of the mailbag, I'm here on this episode to share what's on my mind in terms of storylines, wrestlers, and everything in between. With that being said, let's keep pumping out some awesome content, folks. Just a few days left until 2022. And one more thing to mention, Matt, hopefully you and your wife can create a sleep schedule for your little one. I can only imagine how challenging it is to hit that record button and then pause and come back to continue recording. I don't know how you do it. You must have some sort of magical powers because I can't tell you how many times you probably start and stop podcasting. Yeah, listen, uh, DJ, people have no idea, right? Like so far, everything you've heard up to this point, though, in, in the podcast, I actually haven't had to stop. You know, I haven't had to stop. But this right now is an exception more than the rule over the last like three weeks, four weeks. And people have no idea. Like there was a podcast that I don't even know when it was the last few weeks. I mean, it was like 10, 12 times that I had to like stop, start, stop, start. And it just it's it's an impossible environment to bring on a co-host with. It's just you can't do it. So. I'm yeah, I mean, it's I'm not asking for any pity at all. I just understanding and I'm glad you understand DJ and hope the listeners do, too. It's it's uh, just simply out of like life right now. And it's a phase and it'll pass and we'll get back to the things as normal. But, you know, um, I'll, I'll try to find some creative ways around it over the next several weeks. If things don't change, like I said, recording during the day, some random time during the week, if I can get a co-host on just some ancillary random time other than like at night, which is normally when I record and talk to, to my co-hosts. But uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy, brother. I gotta say, uh, it's it's been pretty nuts. Like, I mean, you just hear a show when it's all stitched together, but you have no idea how many times I've started and stopped during a show because everything's streamlined for you. But I try to make the cuts not sound like cuts, just like it was one continuous sentence or thought. It is a little tough. But uh, you, you said that anyway. We the listeners and everyone at the WWE podcast officially, unofficial, official, unofficial. Appreciate the time you take to keep the uh, to record and keep the wrestling pod schedule going strong every week. With that being said, let's go to the day one pay per view. Yeah, we are unofficially the official unofficial podcast, uh, WWE podcast. Yes, um, <laughs> is it just me? Is that it, or that it feels like this upcoming pay per view on January first, New Year's Day, feels like fair game, especially in the title matches for the WWE and Universal Championship. Fair game meaning that anyone could win. Let's first start with the WWE title. At first, it was supposed to be a triple threat with Kevin Owens, Big E, and uh, Seth. 
But now it's become a fatal four-way that includes Bobby Lashley after he quote-unquote overcame the odds and defeated all three of his opponents last week on Raw. Here are some of the factors that came to mind that have led me to think that the WWE title match at day one is anyone's game. Number one, Kevin Owens re-signing with WWE, which I'll get to in a few minutes. Number two, MVP might interfere to aid Bobby, but then Bobby, who's been booked slightly as a babyface, might not want MVP to aid him. Bobby loses his focus and he, as he continues to talk to MVP, telling him to leave the ring, and that probably causes Bobby to get distracted and he gets pinned by the most devastating move in all of WWE. Say it with me, folks. The roll-up. Yes, the, uh, the eye-rolling emoji is absolutely applicable here. Number three, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens' tag team chemistry could most likely work in isolating Bobby Lashley, and either Seth or Kevin may take the fall so that one of them wins the title taking the sacrificial pinfall for the, quote, greater good. Anyway, I cannot share this week who wins the title at the day one pay-per-view. It is really hard to tell who comes out on top, but I'll definitely let you all know next week on the mailbag. Stay tuned. Yeah, this is this is really tough. I, I have to agree. As, as confident as I was for weeks about Seth winning because he was on such a roll, which has actually cooled off the last couple of weeks, even though he's in a, in a nice tag team match with K, uh, KO, at least temporary one. It feels like he's kind of cooled off, and it's really anyone's game. Exactly what you're saying, uh, DJ. Uh, okay, now on to the big universal title rematch of Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. With the events that took place last week on Friday, uh, Friday Night SmackDown and Paul getting fired, Roman getting F5'd, the match coming up at the day one pay-per-view also can be anyone's game. <clears throat> and in my opinion, there's no clear-cut winner. Here are some of the factors that came to mind to lead you to this decision that and this could be anyone's game, the Universal Championship. Number one, Paul Heyman's possible involvement in the match. Does Heyman automatically align with Brock? Will Heyman screw both Brock and Roman into a double turn? What will Heyman do? When will Heyman interfere? Who will Heyman bring to screw Roman or screw Roman and Brock? Number two, the Usos' involvement in supporting Roman Reigns. Number three, Roman Reigns mentioned a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown, I'm your tribal chief and I'm the greatest of all time. And when my days are done around here, which could be sooner than later, the whole world will acknowledge me. Do his words come to fruition and he ends up losing the match and the title? Anyway, I cannot share on this week who wins. It's hard to tell who comes out on top, but I'll definitely let you know on next week's mailbag. Well, yeah, you're certainly promoting next week's mailbag very nicely. And don't forget, DJ, this will be answered by none other than the casual wrestling fan and his Mrs. Casual Wrestling fan. So um, that's going to be, I can't wait to hear that. So I will not be the one responding to this. Uh, Mr. Casual Wrestling fan and Mrs. Casual Wrestling fan will be doing that. Yeah, th- this is, um, there's a case to be made. You know, if I was going to pick between the two matches of which one's more predictable, I would think that this one probably is in which Roman retains. I think the Fatal 4 has got a little bit more of a, unpredictable feel to it because you can make a case honestly for almost everyone ex- except Bobby. I don't think it's, he, he just had it right. So the other three, you can make a case for a retention or Seth or Kevin Owens winning. But you know, that being said, I think that Paul Heyman is the wild card here. As I mentioned earlier too, I think Paul Heyman is a wild card that is going to have a massive effect to who comes out of this championship match. And I think ultimately my early prediction 
is Paul Heyman screws Brock Lesnar and aligns himself with Roman, leading to a reveal that it was a master plan all along, and Brock fell for it, and Brock loses his absolute mind and does what he always does when he loses big pay-per-view matches, comes on to the next show, tears crap up, gets suspended. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Uh, number, or not number, Kevin Owens. <clears throat> when I heard the news last week that KO was going to re-sign with WWE, I was shocked, surprised, and stunned, no pun intended, that he would do that. AEW would have been such a great creative space for him to be his own character and create his own promos without the hand-holding and micromanaging of every single storyline that WWE was known for, or is known for. Anyway, out of respect for his family, it made sense for Kevin to take the new deal with WWE, even though his creative freedom would take a hit. With that being said, it would have been awesome to see KO, a.k.a. Kevin Steen, rejoin the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, and would be the newest member of the Super Click faction. But now that KO has resigned with WWE, do you think it slightly changes the booking of Kevin Owens in the Fatal 4-Way, because I kind of see this as a possible factor in maybe KO winning the title at day one. Plus, KO has mentioned on a few episodes of Raw how many days he has left until he becomes WWE champion. Yeah, look, the, it, there is something to be said now that he's resigned. And I'm sure that they sweet talked KO and said, yeah, yeah, oh, if you resign with us, we'll, you know, we're, we're open to more creative freedom on your end. You know, we won't ma- micromanage your, your, your scripts or, which they really don't anyway. KO is. You can tell that most of what he says is kind of off the cuff. Like, he has a direction, but they don't micromanage his his promos, I don't think, anyway, right now. But I'm sure they promised him the moon and the stars to get him to re-sign. And I hope he was smart enough to see through it and go, well, yeah, I'm sure they're just BSing me right now. I'm sure they're not going to have this this run and that run for me. But I know I have financial security, and it's about my family, and I know what this, this place is about. So... You know, I understand, like you said, from a family perspective, from a financial security perspective, but selfishly as fans, we want to see him in AEW where we feel there's more for him to show. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. People like to have fun during the holidays. You know what's not fun? Returning an ugly sweater. Don't give anyone an ugly sweater this year. Give choice gift cards from giftcards.com instead, and they can pick their own sweater from some of their favorite brands. It's genius. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. One for hitting the trail. One for catching a wave. One where this happened. Yo, where'd our tent go? Another where the fish get bigger. Every time you tell the story. Some spots, you made your mark. Others, marked you. And one, okay, let's stay away from that one. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With best-in-class standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. 
Comparison based on 2022 Frontier S versus latest in-market Ward small truck segment. Base models compared based on manufacturer's website. Um, but yeah, there's there's a case to be made for Owens winning. I think what's going to be telling is, do they change how they book him now that he's re-signed? And we'll see. It didn't seem like they did this past week, but that could change. You know, things could change where all of a sudden he's being featured as the, you know, uh, a top contender consistently and eventually wins the championship. But until that happens, I think it's they know what they got with KO and they're going to continue to promote him the way that they have been. And I think KO is understanding of that. They know he knows the devil that he's involved with here and he's got his financial security. If that's the most important thing, then, you know, more power to him. Splitsville happening in teases. Uh, okay, let's look at Splitsville happening. Uh, Roman Reigns, or rather, yeah, Roman firing Heyman. The end of the wise man, the end of the tribal chief council to the tribal chief. It was a great ride to have Paul Heyman work side by side with Roman and helping him elevate his new heel character and giving Roman the confidence to go out every Friday night and every pay-per-view since SummerSlam 2020 to go out and dominate. And in the words of Roman's first merch shirt since returning back in late 2020, wreck everyone and leave. Number two, Omos and AJ are no longer a team. I would say long overdue that this happened, but AJ Styles needs to be on his own and hopefully get involved in a meaningful feud with Edge for WrestleMania next year. Omos, I guess, is the default heel in this story, if you call it that, but he really hasn't generated any type of heel heat. But he definitely has potential to be a future world champion if he's booked correctly. With that being said, it seems rushed that creative is booking a match of AJ and Omas, but at the same time, there's probably something on the horizon for both of them in 2022 that we're not seeing. It's coming soon, so stay tuned. Yeah, I think that's true, too. I think that what's going to happen, they maybe just want to get this out of the way and just, okay, let's have your match, and let's both of you are on separate paths. we got to get you on your own paths quickly, but let's get through this match. I think that's that could be an absolute uh, realistic case here. Um. So the Splitsville teases that have occurred the last couple of days, Madcap and Happy Corbin, very low-key stuff. But during the Thanksgiving Battle Royale, there was a scene where Happy Corbin threw Madcap over the top rope to eliminate his fellow partner. And on this recent episode of SmackDown, another tease of a possible split between Madcap and Happy where Corbin decided to place Madcap Moss to face Drew at day one and not let it originally be a handicap match against Drew. Anyway, I could care less who would be the babyface or heel if a split between them ever were to take place. But if this possibly means we don't get a dreaded happy talk anymore, then sign me up when this split will take place. Yeah, it, it, I guess <clears throat> I guess you, you being annoyed by happy talk is by design. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I always ask, is this heel heat where you actually would pay to see them get beat up? Or is this channel changing, eye-rolling, embarrassment, heat? There's a difference. I let People try to equate it as all the same and lump it in the same. It's not. Number two, Nikki and Rhea. After losing the women's tag titles to Zelina and Carmella, there seems to be some sort of resentment that Rhea has towards Nikki that she probably doesn't want to be involved in a tag team anymore. We see this past week Rhea defeating Zelina while Nikki was watching on the match on TV from a side view. <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous, guys. Uh, at least it's not Big E apparently just watching with his back to the TV. I mean, Big E is the absolute worst at that. It feels like Rhea is hidden in a tag team that has lost its steam and the good old momentum. And Nikki is doing whatever it takes to keep Rhea interested and happy in being part of the tag team. 
I say break them up sooner rather than later. Yeah, look, no one, absolutely no one cares if they break up. Nobody. Like, seriously, nobody. Maybe their own internal friends and family would have an opinion about it. Most of us say, yeah, uh, Nikki A.S.H. is awful. Rhea Ripley deserves to be on a singles uh, run right now. Let's get them the hell away from each other. Yep. (laughs) Number three, Bobby and MVP. I'll cover this on the voice recording portion, but there seems to be some sort of teaser split of Bobby and MVP. When Bobby laid out a challenge for MVP to face Big E all by himself, and then backstage when Bobby doesn't give MVP any response to his question if they're still cool. I really hope this doesn't happen because we are still we still don't get why the hell the hurt business of Shelton and Cedric broke up and have no explanation why they reunited for a brief moment with MVP and Bobby, and then we never saw a continuation of that storyline. Yeah, like I don't even want to get into that, DJ. It it is just it's a convenience of the moment story with no consideration of logic. It's it's embarrassing and it actually is insulting to most of people's intelligence. <clears throat> for at least those of us that care. Um also, there's a hint of Bobby might might be turning babyface since the confusing vision uh vignette from a couple weeks ago and now how Bobby is being booked in the Fatal 4-way. And the way Bobby was booked for the gauntlet match seems to be a bit babyface in the whole overcoming the odds crap. Anyway, I just hope MVP and Bobby don't split because of all the accomplishments of last year and this year is all thanks to MVP being the MVP. And last but not least, let's continue with WrestleMania triple threat storyline angle I created last week. And the winner is after enduring a series of German suplexes and two F5s from Brock Lesnar, along with a future shock DDT from Drew, and your winner, reigning, defending, undisputed Universal Heavyweight Champion of the world is Roman Reigns for the second straight year, main eventing a triple threat title match by smashing, stacking, and pinning his opponents. The head of the table reigns supreme. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, peace, y'all. And yes, I'll get to your voicemail shortly, DJ. Okay. Yes, I'm glad you were able to bring that storyline to a close. I know we had a lot of people uh, on the edge of their seats. People were emailing me all week. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? And lo and behold, DJ comes through with Roman Reigns as the winner. So thank you, DJ, for those contributions. Hell of an email. I appreciate it. And we'll get to your voicemail, of course, in just a few minutes. All right. We have only a couple more emails, and then it's straight to voicemails. I have Jim from PA, and he says, I have to say it was nice to see Finn Balor get a win on Raw, and it was great to see Bel Air finally KOD Dewdrop to hopefully end that feud. I've been say, uh, seeing that most of the titles on the line at day one are going to have, uh, uh, they're going to have the rest of them. I sure hope so, especially the IC and US. They haven't been defended in a while, and that's a shame. Finally, Brock and Roman, their match will end in either a DQ or countout, where Brock will get the win, but not the title. Sorry, one more thing. I can see Liv Morgan losing at day one and then going on and winning the Rumble instead of facing Becky again, throwing us a curveball and maybe challenging Mandy Rose for the NXT title. What do you think? That's all. Stay safe. Have a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Jim. Hope you're doing well over there in uh, PA or down there in PA. Is up in, I'm up in New York, I guess down is the appropriate direction but okay 
so reversing this, what do I think about Liv Morgan losing at day one and going on to the Rumble and winning it? And instead of facing Becky, she faces Mandy Rose. I think it's within the realm of possibility, but here's the problem. Vince McMahon views NXT as a secondary product, or rather a th- or a third level product. They are the redheaded stepchild of the trio. And do I think that Vince would use the winner of the Royal Rumble, one of his most prized possession pay-per-views, to face somebody in NXT that essentially was demoted to NXT, which again, Mandy Rose is doing an excellent job over there in a toxic attraction. I mean, she's from everything I've seen and heard from Zach and seen some clips, she's doing fantastic, much better than she was doing in the main on the main roster. So while it may not be a demotion in terms of execution, the initial move was kind of a demotion, you know, and uh, that said, I think that Vince wouldn't do it for that reason, but it'd be a hell of a twist, hell of a twist. Uh, now Brock getting a win, but only by DQ or count out. Yeah, absolutely. That could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and again, Paul Heyman is the wild card here. And the more I talk myself into this and talk about it, I'm talking myself into it of Paul Heyman turning on Brock. It's a false reuniting of them. And we have, uh, Paul Heyman screw Brock only to show his true colors. So, uh, the do drop KOD. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff there, and uh, the fans loved it. The reaction for that was huge. That was the whole payoff, right? And you're right. That that program should be over now that everyone got to see what they wanted to see, a clean victory with the KOD. It it happened. It should be, you know, she should move on. Bianca's about to explode again, I think, with the Royal Rumble season right around the corner. Um, okay. Thank you so much, Jim, and I hope to hear from you next week. Okay. Where are we at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Two emails left. Two, however, let me check my social media because I am terrible at this. And every week I, I do miss somebody somehow. Let's get to, I'm looking at my WWE podcast uh, mail here and uh, nobody. That's actually uh, kind of a good thing. My voice is starting to to get a little bit uh, sore from the, all the talking, but um, good. And I don't have anything on Twitter. I'm checking as it's, as I stand right now. Nothing good. Okay. So we do only have two, two emails left. Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? 
Savings and available coupons vary. Let's get to it. It's from, uh, well, you know what? I'll let you guess who this is. I'm not even going to tell you who this is. I'm going to let you play, uh, guess here. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Awesome. Woo. Your resident heel is back. The greatest male and female wrestlers of all time. That's so hard. I can't I can't say that with a straight face. Uh, Miz and Maurice are back. To add to all of this, it's the holiday season. I'm feeling good. Let's get into the mailbag episode. Look, I hate to kill the mood, but I think there's a very slim chance that Seth wins at day one. With him being in, the t- in this little duo partnership with KO, I think they are both out of the title picture, and it's between Big E and Bobby. I think Big E will retain, and maybe Seth will have a title shot 1v1 at a later date. What do you think? Okay, I'll stop there. Again, n- you know, I'm an hour into this mailbag, and I've convinced myself that Big E's going to retain. I'm, I'm preparing myself for the depression that is an e- a Big E retention here. And him aligning with KO is concerning to me because it does tell me that maybe they're going to go on kind of a, a two-man power trip thing. And also Seth could play the card that his contract that he won a number of weeks ago to get into this match, which by the way, should be a one-on-one match will be his argument, right? Like my, he could say to Adam Pierce, my contract for the title match said one-on-one didn't say a multi-person match. And that's the, the legality, uh, the, the uh, technicality he could lean on. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I've kind of come to and, and kind of pre, I guess, um, pre-depressed myself. If that's the thing I'm looking forward to Omos by himself. I believe he will win the rumble and beat Big E at WrestleMania, or he could even lose at mania to Big E. But now from the present WWE needs to be careful with how they want how they treat AJ's character. If they want Omos to be a hated heel, they must first turn AJ face. How do you think they should do this? I hope they don't just expect the fans to suddenly love AJ again because it gets beaten up by beaten up after he, has been so heelish for so long now. Anyway, that's all for now. Your resident heel, Owen. P.S. I hope you all enjoyed my collection of the best sound and clips in wrestling a few weeks back. I know Matt loved it. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that, guys, I, I would I would uh, advise against it unless you like inflicting self-punishment. It uh, really just, it, it scarred my soul forever. Scarred my soul forever. And uh, it, was a, it was a collection of clips that he put together of which, it was every one of my hated phrases from momentum to boss time. Uh, I mean, just you name it. It was devastating. I'm still recovering. I haven't kicked out yet. So, man, it, it cut me to my core. Now, okay, your question, Owen. Um, how do they do this? Well, it's a pretty easy story to tell, right? You have Omos, the, the Goliath. You have... AJ playing David there. So they have that very basic, basic, basic elementary uh, foundation to, to at least start with. Then you also throw in the fact that um, AJ has been healed for so long. And I think people are ready for him to break out of this team. So there's that kind of underlying feeling for AJ, but what they should do on screen is not remind people that, Oh, yeah, by the way, AJ actually was the one who physically attacked Omos first. I know that's not how they build it on the show, but that's exactly what happened. And what they should do is just have Omos run down the crowd, uh, have, you know, AJ speak some truth to Omos, right? Like have him go to Omos and say, look, you were nothing. You were, you know, why don't they bring something real back? Right. Why don't, why doesn't AJ say you were nothing but the, you know, the bouncer for 
Raw Underground, right? Like uh, you, you were you were the bouncer for a segment that lasted four weeks on Raw. You know, why not make it real? Own it. Talk about you know, where he came from and the irrelevancy that he was in until AJ came along and, and made him a star. And, uh, you know, AJ has been a baby face before. It's just been a long time, like you said. But I think fans are ready for it. He's been long enough hated as a heel that it's fans are ready for him to turn babyface. And he's, I think, equally good at both. You don't see that a lot. I think AJ is well-suited for both. He knows how to play both sides very well. So, all right, Owen, thank you for your contributions, I think. <laughs> and uh, let's uh, let's continue on here with the final email of the evening. Man, my voice is killing me, but no time for the week here because... We've got Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan writing in, who again will be hosting the show next week in terms of the email portion. Okay, he says, it's Sir Casual Wrestling Fan. I hope, <laughs> I'm assuming the Sir is a uh, homage to uh, Xavier Woods. Uh, I hope not. Okay, uh, I hope everyone's having a great holiday. I want to take an old subject and give a Casual Wrestling Fan perspective. So, Welcome, everyone, to Controversy with Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan. Wow, okay, here we go. This is way off topic, but I'm down for it. Today's topic, the Montreal Screwjob. This topic has been beaten to death, so I won't go into details about what happened, but basically, Brett, who was the WWF champion, accepted a WCW contract at the behest of Vince. Vince wanted Brett to drop the title to Sean at Survivor Series in Brett's hometown. Brett hated Sean and did not want to drop the title to him, especially in his hometown. First, was this the greatest work or truly a shoot? I know this has gone down as one of pro wrestling's most infamous moments, but was it actually a shoot? Numerous wrestlers, including Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Paul Bearer, believe it was a work. Other wrestlers believe that Bret Hart is one of the most naive wrestlers in history. Should Brett have seen this coming? The answer is yes. Was Brett warned about a possible screw job? The answer is yes. Was Brett told to not let Sean put him in his submission? The answer is yes. Did Brett trust that Vince would allow him to vacate the title on the following Raw? Yes, he did. Verdict, this was a shoot. The ending of the match was supposed to be a DQ finish after run-ins by both the Hart Foundation and DX there is an actual recording of Vince and Brett discussing the ending to the match. What do you think, work or shoot? Okay, I really haven't ever really spoken much at all on the Montreal Screwjob, mainly because, well, first of all, it was 24 years ago. Uh, and, and, and number two, it, as you said, uh, Mr. Casual fan, it has been, I mean, it's not just been beaten to death. I mean, it has been beaten to death, buried, you know, resurfaced, re-earthed, lit on fire, you know, just completely turned to ash, blown away into the wind, never to be seen again. I mean, like it has been completely just demolished. You're right. That's so that's really the two reasons I never really talked about it. But to answer your question, since you're asking, it's a shoot, right? I mean, it's fun to believe it's a work, but there's been too much invested, too much evidence to the contrary, especially during a time when kayfabe was actually protected to believe that there was the depth that they would go to go backstage, as you said, with this recording with Vince. Um, you know, Kayfabe was still alive back then to some degree. 
I don't think that they would have invested this much time and had this many testimonies and talking about this storyline if it was a work. You know, I, I believe it was not. There was a real bruise from a punch that Brett threw on Vince, uh, you know, in his office. Um, you know, Brett also left the company. Why would they make this a work? Why would you also have Brett spell the word, spell the letters WCW immediately after he got screwed? There was Monday Night Wars. I mean, they were locked in a vicious war. You didn't mention the other company. That was a huge no-no. And for Brett to spit perfectly in the face of Vince McMahon and also uh, to write WCW in the air when he was uh, still on camera, was that's a huge no-no. Like, There's too many things pointing to this being real. I, I, I will continue to believe it's real as well. Next, did Vince screw Brett? Okay, so we've established that we both agree it's a shoot. I know Vince took a lot of heat for how he took the belt off Brett, but was he wrong for his actions? I understand that Brett and Vince had a great 14-plus year relationship and that Brett and Sean hated each other. But don't you still have to do business? To be honest, should any champion be able to tell a promoter, no, I won't drop the belt to a certain wrestler, or no, I won't drop the title in my hometown? Not saying that this doesn't happen because it does. But should it happen, or rather, but it shouldn't happen. Every wrestler knows you do the favors before you leave a territory. Now, I'm not defending all of Vince's actions regarding this situation, but just looking at how Vince had to get the title off of Brett. Verdict, Vince did not screw Brett. Vince did what he felt he had to do. During the Monday Night Wars to protect the WWF, (laughs) famous line here, Brett screwed Brett. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I like to disagree with you too. And, and as you usually bring up opposing opinions here, I, I have to agree with you here too. Um, there's, while I understand Brett and his argument for you know, all the contributions he's made to the business and that he wasn't asking to change the ultimate outcome of him dropping the belt, just doing it the next night. However, Vince felt that it should have been that very night in that arena, in that match. And at the end of the day, Vince is the guy you're working for. Your boss tells you to do something. If you don't do it in subordination, you get written up or fired. You know, I understand that as you, you know, as you build a relationship with somebody, in this case, a 14 year plus relationship, maybe certain favors and things happen that wouldn't normally happen with somebody newer. And things let's you know things slide that other you know maybe not would happen with everybody, but at the end of the at the end of the day, you do what the promoter is telling you to do, unless it's something that's super dangerous, right? That your life can be on the line for. Um, you, you do it, and uh, you know I I, under, I absolutely understand Brett's argument, I get it, but it's you know. It should not have happened the way that it did, unfortunately. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. Um, Brett screwed Brett on this one. And uh, let's move on. Okay, last uh, point here. What could have been? Could you imagine Brett versus Sean Survivor Series WWF Championship? The, the, the story these two great wrestlers could have told would have been epic. The hometown hero versus the showstopper. To have Bret Hart actually tap to the sharpshooter his own finish to end his world championship reign and his WWF career. 
I think this could have been the story instead of the Montreal screwjob. The crowd would have been upset and heartbroken. Could you imagine Brett in the middle of the ring being consoled by the Hart Foundation, tears in his eyes as the Montreal crowd cries with him? That should be the story, and that's how I would have booked the match if I were Vince. How would you have had Brett drop the belt? Would you allow him to vacate the championship on Raw? Hope everyone has a Merry Christmas, the one and only Mr. Kaiser Wrestling fan. Well, first of all, yes, uh, Merry Christmas to you and the missus as well. Really looking forward to next week with you and, uh, and the missus. Let's talk about supplements for just a minute. The market of supplements is overcrowded, right? It's oversaturated. There's too many to choose from. You just don't know which one you want. You don't know which one's effective, what has potential harmful side effects. Well, I have one that I can tell you with confidence is not only not going to give you any of those negative side effects, but also will provide you with the energy that's sustainable. It doesn't have those crashes. And the product I'm talking about is called Energy Boost. It's from a company called Vitali Boost, and they sell a bunch of other great products. But you can check out the website at vitaliboost.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. So what makes Energy Boost so great? Well, it's made from natural, clinically researched ingredients that include caffeine, B vitamins, and other energy-stimulating nutrients. And it's perfect whether you're working out, gaming, studying, or during those intimate times with your partner. Not only does Energy Boost give you sustained, powerful energy, it's also specifically formulated to avoid those negative effects that I was talking about that some people experience with just consuming caffeine alone. I, I'm a massive coffee drinker. I can tell you the crash is no fun, right? We all know that. Those of us that are Starbucks, affectionados, or um, wherever you may get your coffee, we all know what that does. This is not going to give you that crash. And Vitality Boost, by the way, is a leader in the supplement uh, energy market. And customers absolutely love them. Right now, they have a 92% five-star review on Judge Me. It's a third-party review platform that only accepts reviews from verified purchases. So you know they're not just creating these manufactured, uh, manufactured reviews. These are real people reviewing the product, honestly. And 92% is a, an amazing, amazing uh, five-star rating review. So... Check out Energy Boost today, risk-free. You can go to VitaliBoost.com. Again, that's V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. You use our promo code WWE for a discount. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the science behind Energy Boost, visit my Vitali Boost's health guide at VitaliBoost.com. Uh, again, V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. And right there, you'll find information from peer-reviewed academic journals about the active ingredients in all of Vitali Boost supplements all of these supplements, by the way, are made in the United States. That's cool. And a reminder, go to VitaliBoost.com and use our promo code WWE. You'll get a discount on the Energy Boost and all of their other great supplements. So don't miss out, guys. Go check out Energy Boost. And again, it's VitaliBoost.com. V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. So, final point here. I don't know if I would have done it that way. See, I, I, I can finally debate with you a little bit on this. Of course, debating to nobody because you're not here. It makes it so easy to debate, right? Um, but that's not bad. The problem with that I have is this. You, you say that the crowd would have cried with him. I doubt that. I, I think the crowd would have turned on this very quickly. The Montreal crowd is extremely uh, sympathetic towards Bret Hart. 
He's one of their own. They would have crapped all over that finish. If the Montreal screwdriver didn't happen and we had Bret Hart tap out to his own finish in his own hometown, I think they would have crapped all over it and booed the hell out of it. I think that would have happened given the two, especially the two opponents in the ring, right? Like they, people knew even back then when the internet wasn't so big that they really didn't like each other. You believed it because they really didn't. And it came across in ring and they had a great program together and they had great chemistry as well. So given the, the intense rivalry they had, the story rivalry they had, everything that went into it, I think the crowd would have completely rejected it uh, and, and really been honestly pissed off. That would have been the outcome of that. I, I believe the outcome of this would have been uh, implemented. What I would have done? No, I wouldn't have allowed him to vacate it on Raw. Uh, if our events on the promoter, you know, you, you do what I say. Because at the end of the day, you're leaving. I'm in charge of this promotion. I believe this is the best direction for the company. And Sean's going to still be here and uh, continue to carry the company while you're gone. So what I would have had, I would have had Sean. I mean, this sounds super boring. I would have had Sean hit him a super kick and call it one, two, three. I, I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous. Uh, I, I would not have put him in a sharpshooter. If you put him in a sharpshooter, fine. But I wouldn't have had Bret Hart tap out to it. Um but to me, it would have been very straightforward and then have Shawn Michaels crap all over the crowd, uh, you know, disrespect him, maybe get on the mic afterwards and run down everything about Bret Hart and the Canadian, you know, culture, whatever he does, um, you know, and the crowd would have absolutely destroyed Shawn Michaels. And then, though, what I would have had them do after Shawn's champion, he doesn't see Bret Hart for a few minutes. Bret Hart recovers on the outside and he ends up putting Shawn in a sharpshooter leaving the crowd happy. Uh, Sean's tapping out, but it's too late. The match is over. And then you have Bret Hart hold up the championship, look at the championship, uh, you know, stand on the top rope with it one more time and hold it up while the crowd cheers for him. And he gets that moment with his hometown crowd, even though the belt's already been transferred. That's how I would have done it. Sweet chin music. You want it to be credible with the guy that's still going to be here. You don't want to have a cheap win. And you don't insult the person leaving by having him tap out to his own finish. Uh, I know it's the, the favors need to be done by the person leaving. That's old school territory uh, logic. And I still agree with it, but you also get to have Brett have that moment with the fans and get a little bit of revenge on Brett, leaving them or on Sean, leaving them feeling good by having you know, that visual of Sean tapping, but realizing it's too late. Um, but it's, he still gets a little bit of payback. Uh, holds up the belt, has a moment with the crowd, and then lays the belt into the in the ring and leaves. That's how I would have done it. Um, so how about that? All right. Thank you so much, Casual Wrestling Fan. Looking forward to next week. Whew. That said, let's jump into the voicemails. I don't know why I said it like that. My voice is just tired of talking. <laughs> I think that's really what it is, and I'm also getting a little bit tired. So... Let's jump into the voicemails, of course, starting with none other than Mr. DJ Kuzmo. Hello, WWE Podcast World. This is none other than DJ Kuzmo back at it again on your mailbag show. I'm recording to you live once again on a Tuesday evening, and it is the Tuesday before Christmas. I hope everybody is doing well and getting their last 
their last couple of days of, of shopping for your loved ones and your friends. But we are finally, finally getting closer and closer after each week has gone by. We are finally getting close to seeing Veer Mahan debut on Monday Night Raw. And if you have lost count, it is now the 12th week. It is the 12th week that we have seen a Veer Mahan vignette. Now, we all know that the vignette curse is real, but we don't know exactly when will he show up. The hype is getting so real right now on Twitter for this guy, sarcastically that is, because what will be Veer Mahan's first program? Who will he face? Will he most likely he look like he's being booked as a heel, of course, but who will he face upon his debut? That is for creative to give us and for us to figure out as we go along, most likely till ah probably next year when we finally get the Veer Mahan debut. He's coming, he's coming to Raw, and you better beware of the Veer. Now as we continue on on this mailbag, I want to talk about what's going on on Monday Night Raw and what just transpired last night on Monday Night Raw that kind of just uh, piqued in my interest was the possibility of a tease with Bobby Lashley and MVP. Now, MVP, you know, he did help out Bobby Lashley last week in claiming the victory to get his spot in the Fatal 4-Way at day one. But something that Bobby Lashley mentioned to MVP about him facing, uh, him facing uh, Big E, and him uh, just stepping aside and seeing how MVP, you know, will go about this match with Big E. I don't know what's going on, you know. There, uh, what is, uh, what is Bobby Lashley's angle? I don't know. But I was that kind of piqued my interest in the sea of teases of breakups that we saw last night on Monday Night Raw. And um, they also had a backstage segment, you know, where uh, MVP, once again, he wanted to find out if him and Bobby Lashley were on the same page. Bobby Lashley didn't give him an answer. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, you know how WWE loves to break up certain things. And uh, we all have a long history of all these breakups. So I hope to God that Bobby Lashley and MVP do not break up. I hope they stay together because they're pretty much the what's remaining of the Hurt Business or what was the Hurt Business, of course, with Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. So I don't know what's going on with that picture, but I just hope that Bobby Lashley and MVP are on the same page. Now, I want to flip it over to SmackDown. I want to talk about what's going to happen this coming Friday night on SmackDown. We have our gauntlet-style match, and Sami Zayn, I'm putting it out there, folks. Sami Zayn is going to win the gauntlet match this coming Friday on Christmas Eve, and he will get his title shot against his old buddy, his old friend, 
none other than Shinsuke Nakamura. We can finally, finally see the day we have a new intercontinental champion. We have somebody that will defend the title and bring back the honor of the intercontinental title. No offense to Shinsuke Nakamura, but the booking was horrendous. How you have a champion, but don't defend the title on a regular pay-per-view basis. But now that we have Sami Zayn in this gauntlet match this coming Friday on SmackDown, there is hope, folks. There is hope that Sami Zayn will win this match. He will get his one-on-one title match against Shinsuke Nakamura, most likely on New Year's Eve, or maybe they book it to day one, which is the best because, you know, it's best to have a title match on a pay-per-view because we all see nowadays that we have all these title matches on free TV. But we can all look back. We can all look back to the time when Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro were all part of a stable called the Artist Collective. And I remember when they all came to SmackDown. If I'm not mistaken, uh, none other than uh, that I believe it was Sami Zayn was the Intercontinental Champion. And of course, you had uh, uh, Shinsuke and Cesaro with heels. But now in this predicament, just to bring things full circle, it would be so awesome that Sami Zayn goes up against his old friend, his old buddy, now turned rival, in Shinsuke Nakamura, and put it there, folks, he becomes the new intercontinental champion, Sami Zayn. I'm throwing it out there because I know it's going to happen because it's time for a change for the intercontinental title to see it on the hands of Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn has been screwed over, of course, we saw uh, with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Let's give Sami Zayn a big win to end 2021. So hip hip for Sami Zayn. Hip hip for Sami Zayn. And we are going to see a brand new champion coming in 2022 in the name of Sami Zayn. Now, I want I want to continue beating a dead horse. We all know that Sami Zayn will win the IC title. But I want to talk about one of the biggest things that's happening right now in the WWE. And I'm not just talking about Veer Mahan. I am talking about the great job of the storyline of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. We all saw last week that after 40 years of service for the Samoan Dynasty family, that Paul Heyman has been fired. He is no longer the, 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 the council, the tribal council, whatever you want to call him. He's no longer in charge in being the, uh, the manager in this bloodline faction. I'm so happy to see this. And i like to see what's going to happen next in this new chapter most likely, most likely, the obvious may happen that Brock Lesnar may align with Paul Heyman. But what if, what if Paul Heyman actually, he still remains in the storyline. Brock Lesnar is doing pretty good right now on his own as a babyface. He's cutting some good promos. He's actually being able to be comfortable on the mic. So I don't know. What's going up next? What's going to happen next in this triangle, in this storyline? Because you have, your, you have your players, you have your script. Now we just need a new chapter. 
What's the next direction? What happens with Roman Reigns? What is the future of the bloodline? And on and on in this great story, all tying back to the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. So great job by Creative in keeping us on the edge of our seats last week. I hope to see what's going to happen this coming Friday on SmackDown. That's all I got to say for you folks. I hope you have a Merry Christmas or whatever holiday that you're celebrating this week. All the best, and I will talk to you all next time. Hey, DJ, well, listen, so many points that I could talk about. I mean, you talked about it a little bit in your email, so I won't talk about it, uh, repeat any of those or things that we've already heard me respond to. But I haven't really talked about the Intercontinental Championship, so that's one I will uh, respond to because Sami Zayn will win the Battle Royal on Christmas Eve. I hope he does. I, I am 100% behind Sami Zayn. I know that some people are not. I think that he is an underutilized talent to a large degree underutilized and overshadowed because Roman Reigns is doing so well. So he's a couple of tiers below in terms of uh, the pecking order of heels. But Sami Zayn is, should win that championship after winning the Battle Royal because, like you said, no disrespect to Sh- uh, Shinsuke, but they just haven't done jack, you know what, with the Intercontinental Championship. I don't know what it is about them just suddenly forgetting about championships that exist. And like you said, it's not, you know, defending it on a regular basis in a pay-per-view. I, I would say just defending it at least once every month, two months. Like, can we get that? And it, it, it's it's been what, since August something that he defended the Intercontinental Championship? Four months? That's inexcusable. Inexcusable. So with that being said, yeah, I'm really looking forward to Sami Zayn and your questions about uh, the uh, Paul Heyman storyline. I gave many, many of uh, responses to that. And obviously, if you've gotten to this point in the mailbag, you have heard it already that I think Paul Heyman's going to turn on um, Roman or on Brock Lesnar, ultimately revealing it was all a master plan and keeping Brock Lesnar babyface. Uh, that's what I think. Uh, I would, I, you know, if it were me, I would actually have them unite. <laughs> like I would have them like, embrace and a hug after the match. And Paul Heyman being the mastermind, bringing these two together. And all of a sudden you hear the announcers go, oh, my God, what did we just see? You know, who could possibly stop these two now that they're united? I want to see a Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar unification. I I, I think it would be otherworldly to see them together and see the destruction that they could cause. I don't know how you could make it do and make it work. And you got a farm boy and you got a, you know, a tribal chief. I don't know how you make it work, but. If anybody can, it's Paul Heyman. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'd love to see it. All right, DJ, thank you for all your contributions this week. Looking forward to your post-Christmas analysis of Raw and SmackDown. And let's get to that next voicemail. Hey, it's Kyle from Baltimore. I want to talk about the situation with Becky and Liv Morgan. That continues to be continues to heat up. Just now, they've been... Uh, just now, they've... Not now, but there was a video out on YouTube where Liv interrupted a training session with Becky and attacked Becky from her gym or whatever, and that was pretty cool. And it still continues to be the better storyline in the women's division involving the, cha- the women's championship situation and Tony Storm. It's still surprising to me that you have Tony Storm not really you know, the top star. It was really cool. It was cool to see her teaming up with Sasha and having a had to imagine, but it was they were highlighting Sasha and Charlotte, which I think Sasha should win the Rumble too. By the way, next year and face Charlotte to title back 
take that towel back and be champion again because Charlotte isn't doing anything for me personally because she's not a fan of her anyway. But yeah, Tony Storm has just not been doing anything lately credible with Charlotte and Liv, even though she is not seen as a top star, she's been booked like one with Becky and booked very well and I, I'm enjoying it and even though I know that Becky's going to retain because Becky and Becky is great and I love Becky and so anyway that's just my whole that's I guess that's it my the thing with uh, Tony Storm needs to hard to be over with and have her feud with Sasha or something or do something different or I don't know because her thing with Charlotte is it working and it started to bore me and Charlotte's champion it just bored me because she's doing nothing to help anyone at all because all about Charlotte and no one else matters. And Becky is helping Liv in the best way possible because she cares about elevating people even though she's a heel and she and she's just, you know, I think Becky's doing a better job trying to help help um, elevate wrestlers and Charlotte's just bringing them down. So that's my thoughts about that. My book main point is that I hope that Sasha wins the Rumble and take the, take the title away from Charlotte and move on with that. But that's it. It's your call. Bye. Hey, Kyle. So interesting comments about Tony Storm that you made. I, and I'm with you about Tony Storm in terms of character. They haven't really done jack with her. They just kind of made her look like a deer in the headlights with uh, with Sasha Banks. So like, oh, my God. It's my, it's my real life here. My, my hero in real life. Oh, my God. She seems so like kind of doe-eyed with Sasha Banks. In the ring, she's she's totally fine. I mean, more than fine. I mean, I'd say excellent. Tony Storm in the ring's never been the problem. Her personality just is a little weak. Uh, the way that they've built her as just kind of this fan girl coming in and kind of make it with the cool girls is not not endearing. And I understand your frustration with Charlotte how she doesn't do anything for you. They've kind of cooled off on the Charlotte train lately too. I don't know what it is about that. Uh, they just kind of backed off on that in terms of giving her less mic time than normal. But I hear you about Sasha winning the Rumble. I think she's a candidate. I think Liv Morgan's a candidate. But at the end of the day, what's the bigger matchup? Liv Morgan versus Charlotte or Sasha Banks versus Charlotte? And I think you have your answer there uh, to face Charlotte at the uh, at WrestleMania. So, of course, we've got many more weeks to speculate. Rumble's in about four weeks or so. So we'll have much more to talk about. But uh, thank you, Kyle. And let's continue with our voicemails. Hey, Matt. Brad in New York. Um couple things. Um, number one, um, the Xavier Woods thing, you're 100% right. It's really insufferable, especially adding on the, um, the, the, the British accent. I mean, the idea that this guy all of a sudden, now that he's the king, talks with a British accent is just insufferable. Um, and then seeing Boogs have to kiss his ring or whatever it was made me sick. I mean, Boogs is way above that. Um, that was really awful. Um, another thing is the whole Drew McIntyre sword thing. Um, you know, I get it. It's his thing with the sword. And I I think he's one of the best, one of the the most professional guys out there. He brings a lot to the table, a lot of excitement, but why is he swinging that sword at anyone? Like as if he's a mass murderer, who's going to literally kill people. Like I understand, you know, maybe swinging a chair at someone or something like that. But the idea that you're going to try to hit someone with that sword, it would literally decapitate them or kill them. I just think it's it's so almost just out of character and stupid and such a stupid way of promoting sort of the idea with the sword. 
Um, I, I don't know. Just really kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, Liv Morgan, I think that she's ready. Um, I actually think that as a big Becky Lynch fan, I think it's time for Liv to win it. Um, she's really good on the mic, really good on the mic, and very um, – uh, just has gotten to be a very dynamic character, in my opinion. Um, very real, very down-to-earth. It almost seems like, you know, she's not even playing a character. Like, she's just being herself, and it's really good, in my opinion. Um, so there's that, and I think she's ready to win it. Um, I'd like to see them give it to her, and maybe Becky wins it back at WrestleMania or something like that. Who knows? Um, on the Drew, uh, I'm sorry, on the Roman Reigns Paul Heyman segment, I thought that that was one of the best segments I've ever seen. Um, 10 out of 10, 12 out of 10, whatever you want to call it. That was about as entertaining, as shocking, as amazing as, you know, that's really pro wrestling at its best to me. Um, that sort of drama and that sort of intrigue um, coming from that situation. But I find it hard to believe that Paul Heyman is now just going to be with Brock Lesnar and that's going to be the thing going forward because think of all the merchandise that they've put together with Paul Heyman's face on it for the bloodline, all the T-shirts they've sold, everything. Like, there's absolutely no way that they're letting that up after really just a few months. I mean... How long has Roman been even using that head of the table entrance song and the whole bloodline? Hey, um, it's Brad in New York. I got cut off for the time limit. But um, like I was saying, you know, that whole thing with Paul Heyman, the T-shirts with his face on it, I don't think they're just going to abandon that so quickly. What I think will probably happen is something like Paul comes out with Brock at day one. He's his new advocate. Um, and the whole thing was a setup, and, you know, he ends up helping Roman at the end to win in a very shady situation, and maybe that gives them the, the ability to say, look, it wasn't fair, we need to redo this at WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or whatever it is. But um, that's what I think is going to happen. I just cannot see them abandoning that whole bloodline thing. I mean, I just bought my kids the bloodline T-shirt with Paul Heyman and all their faces on it, Two weeks ago, they only started really with the head of the table thing in what April, May? I don't even know. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was earlier than that. But I, I just can't see them abandoning it that quickly, especially how successful it's been. So I think Paul will go back to Roman's side at some point. And even you saw the the love that Paul Heyman when Roman was hugging him. It almost sets it up like that, where Paul was saying to him, I love you, my tribal chief. Um, thank you, my tribal chief, when he was hugging him right before Roman fired him. So I think they're setting that up. Um, yeah, that's about it, man. Um, I think Sami Zayn, also incredible on the microphone. Um, he's like an, like, a, like an A-plus actor. He's so funny. He is so, so, so talented and so good. Um, I think that, yeah, he should probably win it from Nakamura. Um, and then, you know, um, kind of go from there, but um, yeah, man, good show um, as always. Every show you, you put out has been great, and thanks for the time. Bye. Hello there, Brad. Thank you, as as always, for your contributions and words and uh, just insightful information and or insightful opinions. Okay, I'm going to run down a few things uh, without repeating myself. I'm going to really try. The British accent for Xavier. Now, that to me is actually the least of the problems with Xavier. I mean, that that just kind of piles on it. Uh, 
but my issues with Xavier run deeper and longer than this. This is just kind of the crescendo of of all the nonsense and all the eye-rolling secondhand embarrassment that he has provided me and others over the last several years. You know, the British accent is just, it's of course just ridiculous and unwatchable, but it to me is, um, I mean, you have, a, you have uh, Zelina Vega doing it. Zelina Vega is also coming out doing this and they suddenly just ab- adopted the, the British accent. It's very stereotypical. You know, I actually don't want to see another King of the Ring again. Can we just do away with it? Even as a heel, <laughs> unless they come up with this different way of incorporating the winner in terms of when they win, can we not just automatically have them turn into this you know, make-believe magic land king or queen? Can, can we just do something different? You know, it's it's really awful the way that they have incorporated this. I don't mind a king of the ring or queen of the ring, but it used to be taken seriously. Like when Triple H or Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, won the king of the ring did they parade parade around like this did they parade around like they are suddenly the king and queen of england i mean it's it's just so bad it's so bad i mean again the british accent is just cherry on the whole awful cake that uh, xavier has created over the last several years uh drew swinging the sword why is he swinging it it's for the visual we all know you know that he's never going to be able to hit somebody with it ever I mean, it's just never going to happen because of the actual damage and mortal wound he would inflict on whoever he hit with. So I don't, you know, it's just, again, nobody has really used a sword before. That's different. He has a story behind the sword. There's some meaning behind it. It's his mother named after his mother who passed away. So there's meaning behind it there. And it adds a little bit of depth other than just a prop. Um, but you, you know, I know he's never going to use it as a weapon. It's never, ever going to happen. So there is that part of it. That's the downside of like, Oh, this is kind of ridiculous. He's never going to hit somebody with it. I get that. Uh, Liv Morgan. Is she ready? Yeah, I think she is too. And you, you know, you, you mentioned she's excellent on the mic again. I, I talked about, I don't know, probably an hour ago uh, that she is, but to a point where like the material's not great. I don't think the material over the last two weeks have been great. It's been okay, but she is saving a lot of the material that's not good for or that she's provided so far, like her cadence. And I, I talked about her voice and all that. So um, the Paul Heyman thing, the final point here, Paul Heyman uh, making or being a, the merchandise and all that. Yeah, I agree. You know, that's a, that's a reason to potentially not change what's what they have going right now. And considering that Roman Reigns is the top selling individual on WWE right now in WWE shop. You would think they don't want to touch it because if Paul Heyman's on the shirt and he's no longer part of the bloodline, some people may go, oh, well, that's it's changed. I know Paul is is a manager, but still. Right. So perhaps. And I think I've convinced myself now over the last hour and a half, this is now going to be a Paul Heyman turn on Brock reuniting with Roman. It's going to be all a big ruse. And Brock Lesnar is going to lose his mind and probably lift up the stadium on his back and give the the stadium an F5. Like, he's going to lose it. And uh, that's how I think that's going to happen. It, like you said, why are they going to mess with the good thing? They have an epic storyline going with Roman Reigns right now. And Paul Heyman has been the straw that stirred the drink on this. And I think that you're right. And I think that um, this is all going to be a play on Brock. But Brock's going to remain babyface. So, Brad, thank you so much. I appreciate your uh, your contributions and, and calling in twice. So let's continue on a, f- a couple more voicemails and we're going to close this out. My God, it's almost two hours now. So <laughs> let's uh, let's continue on and close this out here uh, before I have to do dad duties. I can't believe I've gone this long. I have not cut out yet. So I've just jinxed myself. OK, here we go. 
Hey everyone, this is Memphis Mark calling from the metropolis of Memphis. Um, just overall this past week, uh, gonna give a couple quick grades. Uh, uh, C for the, uh, C minus actually for Liv going to Iowa. They could have done so much more with that. I like the idea, I like the premise, but it could have been really, really much better. Um, the 24 7, uh, really? What are they trying to create? A, uh, a, uh, a fairy tale ending for this or just really? And also, Kevin Owens should never, ever, by any means, try to emulate Big E's dance. That was atrocious. My dogs got a little upset about it and, uh, I think it even scared a fox. All right, uh, great shows, uh, this week. I got to hear, uh, Michael Ritter, uh, his show. It was great. Shout outs to him, uh, uh, and always Michael Gross. And, and, uh, Matt, I've been watching a little A AEW and, uh, it seems that the finished look at the ending of each show and you go back and you realistically grade the performances and you look at what went right, what went wrong, storylines, the whole ball of wax. They're really starting to catch up on their shows. Um, it's, it's, it's getting closer and closer. All right, guys. Uh, always remember to spay and neuter, uh, your animals. Uh, last week I said your kids. Uh, I apologize. Uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and goodbye from Mullet Manor in Memphis, Tennessee. Hey, Mark, you made me laugh again. Uh, when you mentioned, uh, spaying, neutering your kids, <laughs> I forgot you did that. <laughs> That's just hilarious. I mean, like, I knew what you meant last week, uh, and now it's even funnier remembering that. I mean, imagine somebody's message being, you know, like, uh, don't forget to spay and neuter your children, right? <laughs> what the hell? That's just great. Obviously, yeah, spay and neuter your kids, uh, the Bob Barker message. Um, okay, Memphis, Mark, uh, first of all, you have to come on the show soon, and you will be. I, I promise you, you will be my very first co-host when I return to co-hosting uh, when things settle down here at uh, the uh, the WWE Podcast headquarters. So, okay, Liv Morgan, you gave them a C, you gave that segment a C minus. I I agree. Yeah, there were so many conceptual, logical things wrong with the segment with Liv, especially like you said when she went to uh, Becky Lynch's private pr training facility. A lot of it didn't make sense. And the acting at times was spotty. Uh, Kevin Owens never having to do or never should never emulate Big E's dance. No, okay. Big E shouldn't emulate Big E's dance. Nobody should emulate Big, Big E's dance should not be a thing at all. So uh, not only Kevin Owens, all human beings on Earth should not emulate Big E's dance, especially Big E. So there's that. And uh, thank you, Memphis Mark, for your contributions and also congratulations. Hope you are enjoying married life and uh, that 24 seven title belt is in the mail. So keep an eye out for it. I know you're, you're anxiously waiting. You're anxiously waiting that FedEx and uh, UPS drivers circling around your, your, uh, your neighborhood. Maybe one of them one day will stop and they will deliver to you the most prized possession you could possibly own that 24 seven championship. Alrighty. Well, just look out for our truth. Just keep an eye out. Keep your eyes in the back of your head. All right, uh, let's continue on with uh, the next voicemail. Hey, man, this is Justin from Maryland. 
I just wanted to uh, give my thoughts on a couple of things that happened. So first, um, I definitely enjoyed the uh, the final segment of SmackDown. Um, I had a feeling that Roman was eventually going to get rid of Paul Heyman. I would have rather saw a spear than a Superman punch. Um, I felt like that was just, I don't know, man. But wondering if this is going to swerve, maybe it's just to, you know, um, eventually screw Brock in the end. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I thought that was okay. Um, I definitely enjoy Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens working together. They definitely have a lot of uh, chemistry, great chemistry together. It would be interesting. Um, I don't think this will happen, but Kevin Owens is a one. He hasn't won the tag title, and that shot him Grand Slam champion. So there would be a tag duo um, to go for a while. Um, but, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. Um, when Kevin Owens resigned, I kind of made kind of made me think that he might win. I think there's a some chance he could win. The victory. I think if he think lastly has a shot at winning it, um, I think Kevin Owens has a small shot. But that was cool. Uh, you okay? You didn't answer uh, one of my questions last week. Um, about Roman Reigns' next opponent after Brock, um, you know either because I, um they might go to Drew, but I feel like Drew should just be in the Rumble. I don't think he should fight Reigns at the Rumble. So I don't know um, if you have any ideas of who Roman could face next, but I just want to throw that out there. And um, I want to touch Morgan's promo. Um, when she was talking, she just sounds so, I don't know, boring. Like, her promo didn't really do it for me. Um, she got a good couple of lines in, but I didn't really, like, I wasn't really connecting to her as far as, like, her energy. She just sounded like she was just going off of, you know, her lines. But other than that, um, I think that's it. Um, Randy Orton versus Otis next week should be fun. So, hopefully Orr can get an RKO on him. But, I don't know, maybe uh, Otis wins by, like, DQ or something. I think they're trying to build Alpha Academy for the next challenges. Because, hey, it's Justin from Maryland again. Um, I guess uh, I uh, I went over the limit when I was trying to finish my, uh, my topic. But I was saying that I, mean, I think maybe Otis could win via uh, disqualification or, or count-up. I think they're trying to build Alpha Academy to fight RK Bro at um, day one. Because I think Montez is injured or something, so that's why we haven't seen that finals for the uh, <clears throat> the tag match. But, yeah, um, I think that'll be fun. But Alpha Academy against RK Bro, that'll be cool. But, yeah, that's it. Um, I just wanted to touch on those things. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. And I can't wait to hear your response. Hey, Justin. So, first of all, thank you for sticking this long. Really, everybody for staying this long. I mean, it's two hours into the show here. Uh, and, uh, Justin, I want to apologize for not answering your question. So, let me answer the question right now. Who is Roman Reigns' next opponent after Brock? Now, again, I think it could be Drew at WrestleMania, but that's WrestleMania. 
who do I think could kind of fill the gap? I would have said Jeff Hardy. Obviously, we know the story there. But that would have been my answer. Uh, but obviously, Jeff Hardy is no longer there. Um, I'm looking at – I'm cheating here, but I think I need to cheat to make sure I give you an accurate response. Who do I think Roman Reigns could face after Brock Lesnar? Now, this is also assuming that Brock steps aside and another challenger rises up to face Roman, right? Because if that's not the case, then it could be another Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match before we get to the Rumble or at the Rumble. So assuming that's not the case and assuming Drew is still too early and maybe that's a WrestleMania match, I mean, I'm looking at the options here. There's there's not a lot. I see why you're asking. Um, I, I'm rakish. I'm looking. I'm trying to identify a, 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 a Cesaro already came and went. Uh, I, honestly, unless somebody comes over from Raw, I don't see a uh, somebody there that could that could. So, with that said, here's an answer for you: nobody, nobody steps in between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar until this program's done. I know that's a it's a cop out, but Drew is still too early, I think, because you want him to wait until um, WrestleMania. And Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar is already there, but you have nobody left. Like I'm looking at the roster: Drew Gulak, Mace, Mansoor, Jimmy Uso, Jey Uso. Obviously, no. Uh, Sheamus, Eric Ivar, Ricochet. I guess a small chance. Cesaro he, that that already came and went. Sami Zayn is a heel. Jinder Mahal, Shanky. No, I, I mean I guess you have you have Elias floating out there. You have Elias as a free agent. They still don't know what to do with him. Uh, honestly, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I see your question. So that's my answer. Either Elias comes back in, in a kind of quick one-off with uh, with Roman in a babyface role, or they just continue with Brock Lesnar until that's beaten dead. And then they get to Drew McIntyre. Uh, as far as Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins having chemistry, yes. Yes, they do. They have really good chemistry, which leads me to believe they could be a tag team moving forward. That's fine. Yeah, I'm absolutely fine with that. They could be the ones to take it off of RK-Bro if Alpha Academy doesn't. And therefore disintegrating RK-Bro, turning Riddle heel or Orton heel, leading them into a program maybe at WrestleMania. So thank you, Justin. Good questions as always. I apologize for not answering it, but I, I hope I didn't cop out too much on that answer. It's just, it's not a good answer, but there's nobody there really that's sticking out besides Drew McIntyre. So... All right, uh, let's continue on. Just a couple more, and we'll close it out. Hey, guys. This is Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. And Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan. And we're here to remind you guys that next week, next Mailbag episode, we will be taking it over for the day one pay-per-view takeover show. That's right. Write in your email to us, and we will answer all your questions. We will give our predictions. And, and we will talk about the exciting of all the, the matches that's coming up. So we just want you guys to be ready for that next week. And, you know, for me personally, you know, my wife might not co-sign on this, but I'm going to give a star right now to, uh, what's my guy's name? Uh, Lord have mercy. Uh, that ain't going to What's his name? No, not Kevin. Oh, Kevin Owens doing great work. I'm glad you said that. Kevin Owens doing great work. I'm knowing I'm not a Kevin Owens guy. But Kevin Owens is doing just just great work. Him and Seth together looks good. I don't know if they're trying to turn Bobby face. I'm, I really, you know, I like Bobby and MVP together, so that would really kind of hurt me. But I, I really see a face turn that keeps trying to, to make him look tasty or good and put him next to Big E. I, I really don't like that, me personally. But that's just me. 
you know. But um, Austin Theory was who I was looking for. Austin Theory, that boy can move. You know, he has great movesets. Shout out to Austin Theory. And, you know, we still booing Little Time Liv, you know, poor Liv, poor her. Lord, let her lose again. But that's all we got this week. Um, Hope everybody has a great Christmas. And happy holiday and new year. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Now, that's a good promo for next week's show. If that doesn't get you excited about next week's show, I don't know what will. I am looking forward to it as well and um, can't wait. So, yeah, look. Austin Theory can move. He's a he's a good athlete, and we're going to see whether Vince McMahon's four week experiment with Austin Theory stealing an egg and then sitting in his office getting slapped and talking about being unpredictable is going to be worth it. Listening to a bumbling, fumbling old man mumble and jumble underneath his breath and talk about erasing him with a pencil. Uh, if all of this is going to have some kind of payoff, <laughs> you know, I don't know. In ring, Austin Theory is really good. And there's no question, and he has a presence, and he's a, kind of a, a a pretty boy. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Kevin Owens doing great work. No question. Kevin Owens very rarely does bad work. I know that you're not a fan of him, but he very rarely does bad work. Kevin Owens is an absolute professional, a very polished performer, is confident in who he is, has quick weight on the mic, doesn't feel scripted, and he's really good in the ring. So no issues with Kevin Owens either. Um, and yeah, Bobby Lashley turning babyface. People have been alluding to that over the last couple of hours here, and I think it's possible that it seems as if they are trending that way. It seems they're trending that way to build another baby face or at least make it not look like Big E versus three heels at the at the New Day pay-per-view. So, all right, Mr. Casual Wrestling fan. Well, uh, thank you so much. And I, Mrs. Casual Wrestling fan as well. Looking forward to both of you and answering, uh, hearing you answer all the emails next week. So, all right. Final voicemail for the evening. I have no idea who this is. They actually called in about 10 minutes ago. They just squeaked in. So whoever this is, Whoever this is, I don't know, uh, has just made it into the voicemail. And uh, so let's hear who that is. Hey, Matt, it's Kyle from New York again. Uh, if it sounds like I'm talking quiet, everyone in my family is sleeping right now in my house. So I'm trying to like kind of half whisper, half talk. So if it sounds a little weird, that's why. Also, if you hear me doing a, like weird noise a lot, I have a, I have a retainer in right now. I just went to a dentist and got a retainer, like, this week. So if I sound funny, that's why. Um, it sucks, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to say ask – I'm not going to ask any much questions because I'm, tr- I'm going to try to save most of my questions for next week's mailbag, you know, with casual wrestling fan, well, casual wrestling fans. Mis- yeah. I'm going to save the questions for, like, next week with the two of them. So the one I'm going to ask this time – is Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins as a heel tag team? I want to see it now. After this week on Raw, on Raw this week, I want to see them as a tag team now. Because that was a lot. Like, seeing them work together, I don't know. Something about it. There's something there. There is something there on a team between those two. Also, I've heard rumors that Bobby Lashley's turning babyface. I don't know if I want to see it. Maybe? He's a great heel, but I'll, if, if he becomes a babyface again, I want him to go back to the three sisters, Bobby Lashley, like you said in your Raw review. I want him to stay like as the Bobby Lashley currently is, just as a good guy. That I would like, if they do do it. Look, anything but keeping Biggie champion, I'm fine as I'm doing. So, yeah. Also, 
next week on the Mailbag with Kaiser Washington fan. I have a little theory about the Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar love triangle, but I'm gonna leave you a cliffhanger. I'll say I'll say my I'll say my theory on that for next week. You guys are gonna wait till next week. I'll say, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little get a little cliffhanger. She'll find about like that next week. So hope everyone has a Merry Christmas. Everyone on the podcast, you, Matt, all the co-hosts, all the listeners. Hope you all have a Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you with my uh, little theory next week on the mailbag. Well, Kyle, uh, hope all is well with you. Don't wake up your family. Uh, and uh, you sounded pretty normal. So if you didn't say anything, I probably wouldn't have known. But, um, yeah, I don't think many people want to see Bobby Babyface right now. We'll see what that looks like, though. If it's even a thing, maybe they're just teasing it and nothing will happen. Um, and uh, Kevin Owens in a tag team with Seth. I've talked about this a lot over the last couple hours. we got to remember that if this is going to happen, you may be sacrificing the the trade-off maybe I should say is that Big E remains champion because if they're in a true tag team and they're going to go after the tag team titles you don't want them in dual title programs most most of the time that's not the case so you could be sacrificing that where Big E remains champion because they feel that KO and Seth in a tag team is more important than taking the belt off of Big E right now so that if that's the trade-off you're willing to make it's not mine let me go and I understand the, the chemistry they do have good chemistry no question I could see them as tag team champions they'd be excellent opponents for RK bro absolutely and they could be the ones to eventually be the catalyst to break up RK bro as I mentioned but I think that you're gonna if you're willing to make that trade-off for Big E remaining champion I'm not that's how badly I want Big E gone as champion but so we'll, we'll have to see but I, I'm more and more convinced over the last couple hours that this is going to be a Big E retention at day one but um thank you for the cliffhanger uh, i have i have my predictions coming next week as well big week next week with the day one pay-per-view uh next sunday night unbelievably it's only uh what a week and a half away now it seems like it was forever and now it's a week and a half <laughs> and we're into 2022 and also a wwe pay-per-view that night on saturday night which is kind of cool so uh thank you to you kyle thank you to casual mr and mrs casual wrestling fan in advance uh, everybody, DJ, uh, you know Memphis Mark, everybody that contributes on a weekly basis, uh, Brad, everybody, thank you so much. And uh, don't forget to go ad-free. If you don't want to hear those ads that are throughout the show, you can get rid of them by going to Apple Podcasts and subscribing for $0.99 cents for the month or $9.99 for the entire year. This sale is not going to last forever. As well as, or, or, or you can do both, going to Patreon. And you get a dollar. It's, it's the same price. A dollar a month gets you access to all of our shows ad free, as well as a shout out and a Discord server access and other great features as you go up in tier. So, everybody, thank you so much. This has been an, ex- an extraordinarily long mailbag. I appreciate if you've stuck this long that you've listened this long. Um, it's much appreciated. Hopefully, your work day, if you're listening to this, is going well. And enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your Christmas. Or if you're not celebrating Christmas, just enjoy your week. And uh, I will be back Sunday night. Well, I think Sunday night. The holidays screw me up. Sunday night will still be my weekend review. So the way Christmas falls, I'll still be good. So everybody, thank you so much. As always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.
Georgia drivers take pride in their cars because your car is important to you. It gets you back and forth every day, helping you connect with family and friends, getting you to work, to the store, and the football game. Protect the vehicle that protects you with dependable coverage from an insurance company that's known for keeping its promises. Georgia Farm Bureau Insurance, right here in your community. Learn more at gfbinsurance.com. When you're sick, every minute counts. So don't go anywhere. Go to DispatchHealth.com where high-quality medical care comes directly to you. No getting out of a sick bed. No crazy driving to an emergency room. No endless paperwork. No hospital waiting rooms. Visit DispatchHealth.com to learn about our medical professionals, then make house calls. Dispatch Health is covered by Medicare and most major insurance. Go to DispatchHealth.com. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Hey, do you love a good story? Great then you gotta check out the Hashtag Storytime podcast. Each episode brings you the craziest, creepiest, and cringiest stories from YouTube, TikTok, Reddit, and beyond. My story is about the time that I was broken up with at the 9-11 memorial uh, twice. Look, the internet is a dumpster full of stories, and I, your host, Will McFadden, dive in headfirst, sift through the flaming trash, and bring you nothing but treasures. Listen to all 21 episodes of Hashtag Storytime now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At ADP, we understand the importance of building the right team and offer the data insights to help. Just as importantly, our AI technology helps you pay the team accurately. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll. And uh, good morning, Bill Handel here. And uh, the morning crew on a Thursday, wet December 23rd. Looks like rain, snow in the upper elevations right through Christmas Day. Some of the big news we're covering. The FDA just approved Merck's COVID-19 treatment pill under emergency use authorization. It is the second at-home treatment pill. This is after you get COVID and effectively it is, well, a cure, if you will, or at least a certainly lessening of symptoms, uh, the possibility of hospitalization. Uh, And uh, the good news is uh, the British studies uh, are confirming uh, the preliminary news that uh, the Omicron is less severe, even though the transmissibility is crazy. Now, talking about COVID for a moment, uh, we have uh, and we know that there was tons of fraud committed uh, in uh, PPP money and the stimulus money, you, it was particularly the stuff you applied for, and that's uh, PPP. And uh, there was, you know, just a lot of fraud. You could just say, uh, "I own a business, and I had forty employees, and uh, I want to keep them on, and uh, my business has gone in the toilet," uh, and just literally state that, you know. And the government's going to go, "Okay, we are in the middle of a huge crisis." 
and there really wasn't time to set up the bureaucracy or enough people when there was a an agency that could oversee that. I mean, it was just fraud. $100 billion is estimated, and it may go higher than that. Uh, and there are a couple of really high-profile stories. Uh, first of all, I don't know if you remember uh, Allison Marie Baver, U.S. Uh, Olympic uh, speed skater. She is accused of ripping off $10 million from uh, COVID relief money. And, I mean, that's insane. You talk about big, big dollars. And former New York Jets wide receiver, uh, Ken Brill Tompkins, and his ripoff is in the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars. By the way, that's not to say the average Joe guys, the perps, getting busted. And the way they get busted is, I mean, they're just so stupid. Uh, they, first of all, spend uh, their money on trivial purposes, if you want to call it trivial. Flashy cars, uh, five-figure Pokemon cards, and uh, I will tell you about that because that is a great story at 9 a.m. And, uh, and then they put it on the website. They put it on social media. Look at me with my new Lamborghini. What do you mean? What do you mean your new Lamborghini? Where did you just come up with that? Now, where'd you come up with four hundred thousand dollars for a car? Oh yeah, that is next to my Bentley that I just bought. Uh, it has to be that blatant, really, because frankly, the government has doesn't have the opportunity to go after all of it. It's under the Secret Service jurisdiction, and they just don't have the people. And so uh, he was nailed uh, for, actually, uh, uh, she was nailed uh, for um, laundering, uh, making false statements to a bank, uh, defrauding an estimated $10 million of COVID funds. I mean, how the hell do you do that? Well, in her case, uh, she applied for eight paycheck protection programs in April. Uh, seeking the $10 million for her production company, Allison Baver Entertainment. Uh, two years after her skating reco- uh, retirement, uh, she went for it. And uh, what she said was uh, that she had a monthly payroll of $4.7 million, where she had no monthly payroll. She didn't have employees. And uh, she claimed to have between 100 and 430 people. I mean, that's really going for Man, when you go for that level, I, they're going to pay attention. Uh, and she transferred another 150000 to another production company that she founded. I mean, uh, it goes on and on with these perpetrators. And I get calls from uh, on Handle on the Law uh, constantly uh, saying, you know, Bill, I was on unemployment and I actually was working for two weeks and took the unemployment checks. Uh, am I in trouble? I said, you've certainly violated the law. I mean, that is fraud uh, against the Social Security system uh, or fraud against the unemployment state of California. But you think they're going to go after two weeks of wages when they have people that are ripping off uh, California, the county, the feds, to the tune of millions of dollars each? So... Are you wrong? Yes, you are wrong. Are you criminally liable? Yes, you are, Uh, even though uh, the punishment would be a slap on the wrist. Is there virtually any chance of you getting nailed on this? No. I mean, there's bigger fish to fry. I'm talking about 
tens of millions, maybe a hundred billion dollars of fish. Uh, that is a lot of fish for sure. And I'm looking at what six pages of these where you have person after person and story after story and scheme after scheme. Uh, but we are just digging into the beginning of uh, the COVID fraud. And I tell you, this is um, what a great way for the schemers and the fraud fraudsters. It was like an in, open invitation. It was like an email was sent to them saying, hey, you want to make some real money? You go right ahead and defraud us. Burlington, Vermont, known for a few things, uh, and one of them is cutting its police force by 30%. And has that come back to bite them in the ass? Uh, I'll talk about that when we return. This is KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Let's turn into a report from Jennifer Jones-Lee. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Hey, good morning. Wet day today, tomorrow, Christmas Day, Thursday, December 23rd. We are in for some weather, to say the least. I don't remember the last time we had this much rain right around the holiday season. And some big news that we're covering. The FDA just approved Merck's uh, COVID treatment pill, the second at-home treatment uh, medicine available to U.S. citizens. I want to share with you a story about Burlington, uh, Vermont. Uh, In this uh, Burlington, Vermont, a little city of uh, 44,000, is where Bernie Sanders started uh, his career. And this is a city where uh, the city council, uh, the fight is not between the Democrats and Republicans, because there are virtually no Republicans on the city council. Uh, It's between the Democrats and the progressives, which used to be called the liberals. And the progressives have won. I mean, this is pretty left-wing stuff. This city is dominated by real left-wing. It's like our legislature dominated by Democrats, but they're all not crazy left-wing Democrats. Here, you got crazy uh, left-wing Democrats. And so in... uh, First of all, let me tell you, the police chiefs, the police department has been very progressive, way ahead of the curve in terms of, uh, for example, community policing. That's a big issue. They've done it for years and concentrated on it. Well, after George Floyd, uh, a month later, the city council is now dealing with uh, a demand to defund the police. And the council, I mean, spent hours and hours debating it. And they said, yep, we're going to defund the police by 30%. I mean, that is a big hit. Now, no cops were going to be fired. It was all going to be done by attrition. And they figured it would take years to get there. Uh, At least the attrition part. Uh, Not a chance. The police officers were retiring, quitting in droves. Uh, They didn't want to deal with a city that uh, the city council just hated the police. So they went ahead and cut it by 30%. And here we are a year and a half later, and man, they don't know what to do. I mean, they are stunned. Because what ends up happening, if you uh, if you engage in 
policing uh, on a community level, uh, community policing where you deal on a social level, you know what? You're not going to have time for the other stuff. The, the serious crimes, because there simply aren't enough cops. There are times, and a city of 44,000 is, you know, still reasonable. It's, a, it's geographically just a large city. Uh, most of the time, it's six cops who are patrolling the entire city at night because that's all they have. So you have a city council that's super liberal, was able to defund the police, cut 30% off the police force, and all of a sudden, guess what? Crime has gone up. Now, historically, crime has gone down in Burlington. I mean, it's been one of the success stories uh, of policing, liberal policing in the country. But man, when you cut 30% off, that's just cutting a cop, uh, a police force uh, at its knees. So there is uh, one council person who uh, actually pushed for this big time. And it's an African-American woman who had been elected to the city council a month before this resolution was passed. She introduced it. Uh, now she's uh, now she's coming back. She's backpedaling. You say, oh, you know, maybe not. Uh, let's rethink it, which is happening all over the country because the defund the police uh, model is it's just not working because the only stats that exist, and keep in mind we're talking about surveys, legitimate surveys done by legitimate uh, survey groups, uh, even liberal social secure uh, liberal liberal social groups shows that uh, the only connection between the police and crime is when there are more police, there is less crime. When you talk about, oh, we're going to have a better life, we're going to have a better policing model, uh, concentrating on social issues, concentrating on dealing with the homeless, uh, concentrating on rehabilitation or not arresting minors or not arresting for simple misdemeanors, uh, then Uh, what you have, uh, actually crime goes up. The model we're talking about, the liberal policing policy, there is no scientific connection between that and crime dropping. There is a scientific, uh, scientific connection between more cops, less crime. And people are starting to wake up and getting the message. Now, can you concentrate on community policing? Sure. Can you concentrate on de-escalation? Sure. And that should happen. Should you concentrate on more training? Uh, Sure. That uh, is appropriate. It's happening. And I I believe in that. I'm all for it. But I I also believe in lots of cops doing it because cops are a deterrent uh, cops arrest more people if there are more cops. And guess what? Look at the crime rate uh, that's uh, happened recently out of COVID. And by the way, I just want the bad guys dealt with. You know, I don't like the idea of being assaulted and all of a sudden that's not a serious crime. Or if I'm a store owner and someone takes $940, shoplifts $940, that's only a misdemeanor and that's a slap on the wrist. Matter of fact, Being arrested, if they're arrested, it's a revolving door. They get booked. They make bail. In some most cases, there's no bail required. They're out on their own recognizance. And out they come literally before the the storekeeper is inventorying how much much he or she has lost. 
defunding the police. Boy, let me tell you, that's coming back to bite us all. Coming up, uh, what is the hottest holiday item this season? Is it Beanie Babies? Is it uh, Cabbage Patch Dolls? No, no, there's a list that's number one on uh, the Santa's list. I've been a good boy Santa, and this is what I want. And it's just a sign of the times. This is KFI AM 640, and let's check in with uh, Jennifer. Good morning. Bill Handel on a uh, Thursday morning, uh, December 23. It's cold. It's rainy. uh, It is gray outside, dreary. That's the weather report this morning. Just wanted to make you feel good for uh, celebrating Christmas uh, uh, day after tomorrow. And some of the big stories we are covering. uh, The Supreme Court is going to hold a special session in two weeks. Uh, to weigh the challenges of two Biden administration policies covering vaccine requirements, the mandates for millions of workers. And uh, the fact that the court is hearing it uh, early, you know, several days before it normally goes in back into session uh, indicates how important the court thinks this is. I think they're going to uphold the uh, mandate uh, because it is such a severe public health issue. And the precedent is uh, the courts, in fact, uh, uh, allowing mandates. And that, but that goes back to 1904 with smallpox uh, vaccinations. Now we're going to be talking about, a little bit about what's going on uh, be, just before Christmas and through uh, New Year's Day. Uh, now, do you remember all those hard-to-get, impossible-to-get uh, holiday gifts for your kids and going back. Uh, Beanie Babies was one they were impossible to get. Cabbage Patch Dolls. I mean, there were moms fighting at uh, the counters where they had them. Uh, I'm trying to think. Chatty Cathy, I think, going up decades after decades. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, the hottest toy out there was uh, Hans, uh, the uh, little Nazi, uh, walking around and his arm went up. There were just a lot of toys. That's just part of what we are. Well, not this year. Oh, no. You go to uh, Santa in the mall, and you know what people are asking for more than anything else? At-home COVID tests? We're talking about the rapid tests. It's almost impossible to find them, and people are scrambling, and here's why. Because you're going to holiday events parties, family get-togethers through the holidays. You're going to travel. And how do you know whether you have COVID or not? Even if you're vaccinated, even if you're fully uh, vaccinated with a booster, now that we have the uh, Omicron uh, virus uh, variant, uh, that spreads even if you are vaccinated. And so you you want the at-home test because if you're a reasonable person, uh, you want to know if you have COVID, and you're not going to give it to your grandmother or aunt or uncle uh, at a holiday get-together. Uh, get you just bail out. And so let's get those tests. Yeah, let's get those tests. Where are you going to get those tests? Well, you can go to Walmart. Yeah, no, no, they, they don't have those tests. I mean, you can try, uh, but... 
they're out of it. Uh, Rite Aid, uh, no, that's a problem too. Go on the internet to find these at-home tests. There's 15 companies that are doing this, uh, incidentally. Uh, No, they're out of tests too. I mean, what happens is you can come in whenever a batch comes in, uh, then you want to be first in line and show up. And they'll tell you, we have a batch coming in, oh, in three days. Well, sometimes it's four days because of what's going on in uh, trucking, what's going on in distribution right now. It's completely insane. So that's really the way you can sign up. Maybe you go on the Internet and just stand, you get in line and you'll get your tests. The companies that make these tests are trying as hard as they can. They're running 24-7 shifts. And they still can't keep up with the demand because actually people want to know, do I have COVID being asymptomatic and I can't go to family get togethers. I can't go. And then there are people uh, that are caring people that will fly and be right next to someone. And you would think those folks want to know if they have COVID or not. I'm going to say the majority of people do. Uh, So most stores have been wiped out in terms of the number of uh, COVID testing now, a couple of things about at home. This is the immediate test. comes back after, uh, I think, 20 minutes. And the airlines, for example, will not let you on an airplane without uh, having tested for uh, COVID. And they'll allow a rapid test, but it has to be given at a facility. It has to be given at a recognized place. Uh, they won't let the at-home test. Uh, work because anybody can do an at-home test. Uh, they want a controlled, a controlled environment. And so here we are, Christmas, the weirdest Christmas we have had. I mean, last year uh, during Christmas, no one went anyplace anyway. So that wasn't a problem. Today, it is a problem. And I mean, think of this. We have the most transmissible case uh, or variant of COVID that exists, the the Omicron uh, variant. And its transmissibility is about 80 times more than Delta. Now, the good news, it is uh, certainly less serious, uh, less uh, symptomatic, uh, fewer hospitalizations if you have Omicron. But the problem is that the number of people that are getting Omicron, that's exploding. So if you look at whatever less percentage go into the hospital than, uh, for example, having the Delta variant, you're still talking about a huge increase because the sheer numbers are bigger of people who have contracted COVID, particularly the Omicron. I mean, the uh, what is it, in L.A. County? Uh, the numbers of Omicron testing, testing positive, has doubled since yesterday. That's how transmissible this is. And we're in the middle of a winter surge. And at the same time, uh, the airlines are jam-packed. People are ignoring it. Now, there are little circles on uh, the floor that say you have to be six inches or six feet apart, Right. Have you seen any video of uh, what's happening at the airports with those lines uh, going down that are 200, 300, 800 people? Uh, Is anybody social distancing? No, and that's one of the big ones. Now, everybody has masks, thank goodness, 
And then you have certain venues like at Staples. I think today it starts crypto or tomorrow it starts uh, uh, being named crypto. Uh, There you have to show uh, either uh, a booster proof. No, excuse me. No, not booster yet, but full vaccination, two shots. Or if you don't have that uh, and you don't have uh, the results of a test within the last two days, what they do is point you to the tent over there where they're giving the uh, over-the-counter test. Then you're allowed in if you test negative. I mean, that's what's going on. That's what Omicron is, uh, the Omicron is about. That's what's happening with the over-counter test. And that's on everybody's to-do list or to-get list from Santa this year. You know, I don't, are there any toys that are actually super hot that people are fighting over? You know, I, I really don't know. Uh, Tyler, do you know? It's really just gaming consoles, from what I understand. PS5s, Xboxes, the new Nintendo Switch. Other than that, I'm not really sure. Yeah, but there aren't, like, dolls and... Yeah, because I always say or Beanie Baby-ish kind of, uh, of gifts. Yeah. The Squishables. Weren't they, the, like, the $15, $20 ones? Alex and Tyler. Tyler, you got Alex one, didn't you? And they're... they're isn't that kind of a craze right yeah, now? Yeah, I didn't really have an issue getting my hands on it, though. Okay. Or well, around good. it. Because it's a squishable. Right. Uh, thank you very much. The Texas abortion law is spurring copycat, uh, copycat measures. And uh, what Gavin Newsom did is take the law, spin it around, and uh, boy, are there lawsuits aplenty. This is KFI AM640, and let's check in with Jennifer. AM uh, 640, Bill Handel here. It is a Thursday, December 23, rainy and cold, and it's going to be pretty miserable weather if you don't like the rain, if you don't like the cold, and right through Christmas Day. And some of the uh, big stories that we are covering, uh, two new British studies uh, give us some early indication that the Omicron variety of the virus may actually be milder, probably as milder than the Delta version, although far, far more more transmissible. Supreme Court uh, has agreed to rule on um, the Texas abortion law. And uh, this is a law that says you can't uh, abort a fetus after six weeks of pregnancy, uh, when most women don't even know that they are pregnant. And what they did in Texas, a really interesting end around, and that is, uh, this is not a criminal violation. The state is not involved in prosecuting people who help women get an abortion. What this, Because that is probably unconstitutional on its face, maybe not with this Supreme Court. But so how do you get around that? Well, you make it a civil issue. I mean, the state was very clever with this. You make it a civil issue by allowing individuals to sue the provider or someone who helps the provider uh, allowing the woman or giving the woman help in obtaining an abortion. And uh, so you sue individually, sue against the provider, you win, and uh, you get $10,000. A minimum of $10,000. Oh, by the way, uh, the... 
the defendant gets to pay all attorney's fees, uh, has to pay his or her own attorney's fees, even if they lose. So if you have frivolous lawsuits uh, and you have right-to-life organizations that are going crazy and they have uh, attorneys that are willing to file, even totally frivolous, guess what? You still pay for your own defense. I mean, you can wipe out uh, the help industry, if you will, uh, by simply suing uh, these people to death. They will not then uh, commit the non-crime of helping uh, a woman obtain an abortion. Right. So Supreme Court is going to rule on that. And, uh, the, uh, and here's the problem. The Supreme Court said the law can stay in effect. Usually the courts deny... Uh, they deny the furtherance of these laws. They deny the laws still being in effect until they hear the case. Well, Supreme Court went the other way. They said, I'll tell you what, we're going to hear the case, but the law that was passed by Texas remains in effect until we hear it. Man, that's gone a long way. It gives us an indication where the Supreme Court's going to go. And So it's a clever way of stopping abortions. And, of course, uh, you now have states all over the country doing exactly the same thing, the real conservative uh, red states. And uh, our governor has gone the other way. Our governor says, okay, if you're going to do that, we're going to do the same thing with gun control. Uh, We have a law that says you can't uh, have assault weapons. You can't have uh, the magazine clips that exceed more than 10 rounds or whatever the number is. Uh, And for anybody that helps someone obtain one of these weapons, uh, that person can be sued for $10,000. It's effectively the same law in Texas. You just reverse it and you put, just put the words $10,000 or put the words gun control in, um, in place of uh, abortion. Now, of course, lawsuits have been filed against that instantly. And it's sort of the same premise, isn't it? Makes sense that the court's going to allow one, the courts are going to allow the other. And I don't think so. I'll tell you why. Because the conservative members of the court, those are going to vote in favor of the Texas law, simply point to the Constitution. There it is, Second Amendment. California's law is unconstitutional. There's the Second Amendment. It effectively stops people from buying weapons. Kind of interesting that California, with assault weapons are sort of an outlier state. But I think the court is simply going to overturn all the gun control stuff. What's going to happen with the Texas law? I think the court is going to uphold the Texas law because they point to the Constitution and say, excuse me, where where in the Constitution is the word abortion? Now, we have the Second Amendment that talks about guns and the right to bear arms, but I don't see anything in, in the Constitution uh, that gives people the right to an abortion. It doesn't exist. And in fact, Roe v. Wade couldn't point to the Constitution specifically as gun advocates do. Roe uh, Roe v. Wade talks about the penumbra of rights emanating from the Constitution. It's sort of ethereal. It's like ectoplasm that comes out of the Constitution. And out of all that, uh, out of this vapor... Uh, we can pull out the right to privacy, and therefore a woman has a right to abortion. Uh, it's gonna, I think it's a lot harder to argue uh, the gun issue uh, than it is the abortion issue. And I think this court is going to go. They're going to up, uphold uh, the basis of Roe v. Wade. They're going to just allow all the restrictions. For example, Texas. Oh, you can have an abortion, just not after six weeks. 
And that doesn't stop anybody going, okay, uh, after three days, uh, after conception, you're still allowed to abort. Well, depends on what you consider. There's the abortion pill, which is going to be illegal too, because it is illegal. And so a lot of Texas women are going into Mexico or getting them from Mexico. And so that's what's going to happen. And the big news is Gavin Newsom, boy, I'll tell you, he's feeling his oats. A lot of people are saying that's just a political measure that he's doing. Uh, It's just uh, to uh, influence his base. So he gets reelected. Coming up, spilling the tea. What does that mean in the world of social media? I'll explain. This is KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, do you love a good story? Great. Then you got to check out the Hashtag Storytime podcast. Each episode brings you the craziest, creepiest, and cringiest stories from YouTube, TikTok, Reddit, and beyond. My story is about the time that I was broken up with at the 9-11 memorial uh, twice. Look, the internet is a dumpster full of stories. And I, your host, Will McFadden, dive in headfirst, sift through the flaming trash, and bring you nothing but treasures. Listen to all 21 episodes of Hashtag Storytime now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Meet Cocovia Memory Plus with some of the most researched plant-based nutrients harnessing the natural compounds within the cocoa bean. To improve memory and brain function in just 8 to 12 weeks, try Cocovia Memory Plus capsules. Order today at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com and use coupon code CCV20 to get 20% off your order. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. 